And for the record, there was an episode of Happy Days where a guy literally jumped over a shark, and it was the best one. Troy Barnes. Ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon, this was all just a dream. Welcome to Modern Escapism, the podcast that jumped the shark the second we named it. My name is Oodles and today I am joined by, she once hid inside a fridge to avoid a nuclear blast, (laughs) it's Candy Machine. Hello. (laughs) To save his friend from certain death, he repeatedly punched a boulder into a volcano, it's Gadget. And I'll do it again. And a man that literally coined the phrase, you're going to need a biggie boat, it's biggie. (laughs) Brilliant. And today there is no stick because he is at home doing his hair. So we're going to have to plough on without him. So somebody, please tell everyone about the Patreon. I, I, I can do that. So, yeah, we're going to keep banging on about, about it week on week. But we have a Patreon. Until you're all paying for it. Yeah. And it's, lo- it's lovely. It's marvellous. It's wonderful. It's going to pay for Oodles' addiction to dragon soup. Yep. Everything that we do is free. You know, you don't have to pay for it. But if you want a little bit more... We have three tiers on our Patreon. Uh, first one being Modern Escapees. It's five a month. It's for this show. It guarantees you at least one bonus episode every month. Guaranteed, nailed on. But you know you know what we're like. We put content out like it's nobody's business. You might get more. Like in the last month, there's been four extra bonus episodes of, uh, of Stig and Oodles talking about Loki on Disney+. Plus. By, by all accounts, they're doing quite well at it. We are. Um, on, to- uh, on top of that, um, you also get the extended episodes of this particular show. So you get to the end of each episode, there's next, about an extra half an hour of us prattling on about whatever we want to talk about. It's basically us <laughs> in the smoking shelter. Yeah, usually pretty unstructured, and there's usually some weird bullshit comes out of it, oh, but yes. it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> there is also the Scorch Sheep tier. If you, want to, if you want to support our D&D podcast, do Dragon's Dream a Scorch Sheep? Uh, that one is also £5 a month and for that one you get um, early access to episodes so episodes come out every other Friday if, you, if you're if you a Patreon subscriber you get them every other Wednesday um, you also get them ad free because we run adverts on that one and you also get any artwork that Candy does for it uh, any extra musical, musical or character sheet related stuff that we happen to put out and you also get the opportunity to submit uh, item descriptions, NPC names, anything like that, that I, for me to include in the campaign as it goes along we're getting some really nice feedback on that show as well. Mm-hmm. Also, if you just happen to like everything that we do and you love us unconditionally, well, you can you can put that to the test with the Biggie Bundle, which is seven pound fifty a month, and it gets you everything, including me for a week. Yeah, <laughs> he will do a striptease. Yeah, <laughs> he will also grease himself up and give you a cuddle. <laughs> do I get that? No, you, you have to you have to pay for it. We need any envelopes licked. I'm your man. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's literally one of my least favourite things to do ever. Exactly. That's why I'm willing to step up. Marvellous. So, yeah, um, if you're interested in any of that, you can hop over to patreon.com forward slash modern escapism. Everything's all laid out there. It's a marvellously good time. And you become a jerk if you don't. <laughs> no, they don't. Be nice to the listeners, Oodles. No! no I, I, keep telling you, I will come down there. 
Oh, <laughs> no, you won't. I'll put you on the naughty step. <laughs> Please, Daddy, no. <laughs> oh, God, this is already taking a turn. <laughs> stick when I need him. I was going to stick. going to be crying into a cereal right now, isn't he? <laughs> Excellent. Uh, but yeah, Thank you very you. much. It's a thing. Thank you very much. You 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 you, you did that with a plum, mate. Brilliant. Mons. Thank you. And what a week it's been. Uh, I don't know by the time you're hearing this, we might not still be in the football, uh, but currently it's coming home and that's why my voice sounds disgusting. Um, however, I am still the host. I don't have days off. Stig. So, <laughs> Miggy, what have you been up to? <laughs> I also enjoyed the football. I'm also hanging, but I'm here too. Good <laughs> lad. But yeah, um, a couple of things I've watched uh, during the week. Um one, again, in one of those random things, I was searching on Prime and came across a title of a documentary. And it mm. is called In Search of the Last Action Heroes. And it's a documentary basically detailing the action genre over the past 50 years. And there's lots of interviews with action stars, directors, writers, people involved in the game. There's fans, there's uh, authors about who have also covered that. Um and it's two hours and 20 minutes. It really surprised me how long it was. Bloody hell. But they, they just talk about everything, you know, uh, what, the original Westerns in the 50s, and then goes on to the movies with Steve McQueen, like Bullet, uh, French Connection. Then obviously it goes into the 80s with your classic Stallone, Schwarzenegger movies, um, through to the 90s to present day. Uh, it was just, yeah, really cool. Really just enjoyed sitting back and there's a lot of stuff in there that you you know so it's not going to surprise you but it's just nice to just watch stuff that you know just being covered and talked about um yeah really really cool can't recommend it i like them kind of documentaries it makes you it it makes you feel all nostalgic and warm because those films that i I grew up with every i know i was too young to be watching half of them films like demolition man rambo terminator all them oh my god predator was the one for me which one? Predator. Absolutely yeah. love it. I watched it when I was about six. And my dad got yeah. an absolute bollocking for recording it for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's covered. Um, so yeah, really worth watching. And then at the end, um, there's some anecdotes as well while the credits are rolling. So there's stuff that they didn't obviously put in the main documentary. They thought they put it in the end. It's really cool. Uh, including an, an interesting one for, um, I've got this name now, the guy that played, is it Ronnie Cox that played... Um, Dick Jones in Robocop. Yeah. So he was asked, um, would he be interested in the sequel for Robocop 2? And he went, the sequel? And they went, yeah. And he goes, well, you know, my character died. He went off of like, <laughs> a building, 140 foot. And they went, yeah, yeah, but we've got an idea. We want, if we can bring Robocop back, we want to bring you back as like yeah, Robo villain. Robo villain. Robocunt. Oh. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, you so. throw that word around like it's nothing. <laughs> but That's yeah, how we do it, it in the South. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, highly recommend that. It's on Prime. But the main thing I wanted to very quickly cover was that I finally got around to watch with the missus was uh, Captain Phillips. I've still not seen that. Oh, mate. It's I've seen so the memes. good. It's Tom Hanks. I am the captain now, that kind of meme. Probably... Being the least Tom Hanks he could be, I think, in any of his movies, he actually brings a bit of rawness to this character. So I feel like it made Tom Hanks look a lot more vulnerable than he normally does in movies. 
So I, I really appreciate his performance because sometimes I, I can watch a movie with Tom Hanks and I feel like I'm watching Tom Hanks. But actually yeah, yeah, this, no, time, this time he actually made me actually feel like I was watching this guy. It's based on a true story. Um, for those that don't know, it happened in 2009. Um, a Maersk cargo ship was uh, sailing through the, um, I've forgotten the name of the area now, the Somali Basin mm. around the Horn of Africa. And unfortunately, they uh, end up in uh, pirate waters and they're attacked by pirates. And then the film covers what happens. I don't obviously want to ruin it for anyone, particularly you who. I remember, I remember the actual story yeah, in, in real life. But uh, I did read up afterwards that the film pretty much follows what happened. There's very little added in. I'm sure there's a little bit for. You don't the need narrative. to change a story like that, mate. It's no. incredible, isn't it? <laughs> but you know what? They cover what happens in the movie, apparently kind of happen so sometimes they have to put in a little bit to make it more interesting or whatever but i think apparently it's kind of roughly how it went mm. uh, yeah really really good incredibly well f- um shot by paul greengrass i think it is yeah it's a greengrass i think yeah it's excellent um yeah really really recommend it really enjoyed it and i can't believe i left it so long to see it but we're absolutely riveted and it also shows you um exactly how to make a movie with a ship in trouble exciting <laughs> Is that a dig at James Cameron? (laughs) (laughs) You do know he listens to this. So did it have like a two-hour love story before the actual action started? (laughs) (laughs) But actually made... James Cameron will be furious. Actually made it gripping as well, like Speed 2, about how you can make it look dangerous and fast on the water. (laughs) Yeah, really recommend it. It was really good. Excellent. Captain Phillips, brilliant. Um, Candy, what have you been up to? I also watched a film. I watched uh, Amazon's new high-budget sci-fi thriller called The Tomorrow War. Featuring... I watched that this morning. What did you think of that? I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you tell them yeah. first. So, <laughs> starring Chris Pratt, um, we learn through time-travelling marines that in 30 years the planet's been invaded by a hostile alien species and that citizens of our timeline are to be drafted to help in the war effort. <clears throat> Chris Pratt's a high school st- science teacher and ex-military gets drafted in and told that he, along with other candidates, candidates have a week before they're brought back to our timeline so if they were in the middle of anything important if that buzzer goes off they go and back it doesn't it doesn't matter what they what they were up to um i actually quite enjoyed this despite it being a silly premise and there were like a thousand like time-based paradoxes <laughs> i was actually pleasantly surprised <laughs> it's sort of thing. i don't know if you noticed this oodles but did you find that it was kind of a movie and a sequel all in one I thought the film had ended and then there was another hour. Yeah, that's part, that's part two. <laughs> hmm? So it comes to... Oh that's like actual... you're playing Dragon's Quest XI. I, I was li- it literally does that. I was literally ready to pick up the remote and change it. And I'm like, what? An hour? Yeah. Fucking and it, it really takes it down a notch as well, the second, the second part, um, without going into spoilers or anything. But yeah, so all the action is all front-loaded. It came to this amazing kind of dramatic... Amazing's a strong scene. word. Well... A very dramatic scene. That's better. <laughs> and then it doesn't cut to the end credits. It, oh, no. Oh, no. It keeps going. It goes it, to Tomorrow War 2, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And 3, you might even say. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I thought it was fun. It, Would it, that it be was the day sweet. after? The day after. To, oh, that one's taken. The day after Tomorrow War. <laughs> the day after Tomorrow War. Mm. Um, it was a good popcorn movie, though. I sort of regret not being able to see it in the cinema. Because um, some of the visuals are actually quite good, and there are a few in- few intense moments as well. I thought the aliens looked pretty cool. 
um, good design. They're kind of danger from all ends. Um, is it good CGI? It's decent, yeah. The CGI is fine, and there's oh, shut up, poodles! I can see you <laughs> shaking your head. <laughs> <laughs> you let me have my moment. No, it was. I'm fine. gonna. I'm gonna. Was, don't worry. I thought it was good. I yeah, I enjoyed it. It's um, not going to win any Oscars. As I always say, um, J. Jonah Jameson's in it, and he's amazing as always, playing a grizzly old dad. Um, he look good he does with grizzly a beard. very well. He did look good with a beard, didn't he? I really thought he looked bushy beard. Kind of an action hero, which I'd never seen him. My wife um, went, "Oh, he's a bit sexy." I thought that too. Mm. Bit of a silver fox going on. Yeah, <laughs> but I, yeah, I thought it was just a bit of brainless fun. I think it was decent as well. Um, it shouldn't have been a two and a half hour film. It should have been a series, but mm. they never do that, do they? Um, it seemed overly long, as we've said. It seemed like it was the main film and the sequel smushed into one. Chris Pratt. Um, is he just of, doing the Chris Pratt thing? No, he's a bit different. Actually, this is different. Mm. Chris, this is Chris Pratt with uh, a family and a reason. Um, He's all right in this. You can tell he was the producer of it because he's in every single scene. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's, I think the CGI is a bit ropey in some parts, but the monsters are fun. Um, there's not a lot to differentiate them between each other, but it doesn't have to. I thought um, there would have been a twist, but there's no twist. Um, it's very straightforward. It's better than... A lot of disaster because it's a as well as being a sci-fi, it's a disaster film as well. Um, it's all right. I get a solid like six, seven out of ten a push. I am hungover. I watched it today, so maybe it's the honeymoon period kicking in. <laughs> I saw a comparison somewhere. Somebody mentioned about Edge of Tomorrow, Tom Cruise movie. Is it? Got it's not as good of, as that. No, no. But has it got a sort of similar kind of vibe in that sense? So I really enjoyed that. No, I think it's quite different. Yeah, I didn't really get that particularly. Um, but it's it's got the same sort of feel of a, of a sort of modern sci-fi. I think Chris Pratt's kind of taking on the mantle of modern action hero as well, like you said, Biggie, about sort of uh, where are all the new action heroes. I think Chris Pratt is probably taking a bit of advice from his new father-in-law, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I do, I do, I do like that he's, 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 he's like built up. He's a Muslim man, but he'll always have that dad belly, and I like that about him. It's got that, yeah, still got a little bit of punch in that um, documentary about how he had that sort of indestructible Stallone, Schwarzenegger sort of eighties action hero, and then it sort of changed again, and then sort of now, um, what are our action heroes? Who are you? Got the Rock, who absolutely does look indestructible. Jason Statham. He's quite vulnerable as a character generally. I think he's he's got that sort of humour side. With the rock, Jason Statham just seems to be the action dude. Don't worry it? with tomorrow. Well, there's no pathos to it. There's no, there's no like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I agree. There's I think no, there's nothing Pratt to it. Characters tomorrow. The movie, yeah. some of the movies that Chris Pratt has done, he's he's probably going to head down that direction. I think I can see that happening. He's better in um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, oh, oh, yeah definitely. Sure. But then he has that humour with it as well, doesn't he? Which he does. He's he's not the funny guy in this. Yeah, his his style has always been the funny guy, the quippy guy. The... He's not in this, is he, Candy? He's he's just the main. He's guy. just the action action star. Yeah. I think the, the main difference one. now is that back in the eighties, just to be an action star, you just had to look the part. Whereas now, you have to act a bit as well. Yeah. I think I think he's um he's 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 two um war buddies that he goes in time with uh the comedy relief, and so is J.K. Simmons. They're they're the comedy relief 
in it. He's not. He really is. I mean, might have one joke in the whole thing. Even J.K. Simmons wasn't super. He wasn't doing the full. Uh... No, it's got. It's fine. It's fine. Don't. I think it should have ended though, an hour and a half in. Yeah. And then it should have released a Snyder cut. Or it could have <laughs> just been a two-parter, couldn't it? Yeah, two-parter. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. It's all right. Anything else? From me? No. <laughs> yes. Yes, from you. <laughs> no, that was it. That was the end. <laughs> what a week you've had. <laughs> Gadget, enlighten us. Uh, my week's been a bit quiet, so I've got a couple of things to go and talk about. Uh, I tried the Monster Hunter Stories 2 demo on the Switch. And? Um, and I really like it. Yes. It's a, it's a JRPG version of Monster Hunter. And uh, I know, like, I spoke last week about kind of my difficulty with getting into modern JRPGs and, like, the kind of you get they, 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 this one suffers a little bit from it where it has that kind of very plodding opening like you know they, they, the opening cutscene you're showing some great drama where something mm. happens but then you start off like hey you're the rookie let's go train you up in how to deal with monsters and let's go do this and, then, and you like do like about two hours worth of busy work before the story starts but it does a few things I like. I like how they've kind of transplanted the combat from Monster Hunter, which is usually quite frenetic real-time combat with melee weapons or, or ranged weapons, and kind of transplanted it into that Final Fantasy-style active time battle. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you, you are fighting alongside, like, your kind of... your monstie, which is... <laughs> yes! <laughs> Monsters are what you fight, monsties are what you ride. And it's just really <laughs> terrible... Terrible wording. Yeah, your monster is like it, it. It's got this kind of Pokemon element to it, where you're kind of collecting the monsters and making them friendly, and they become your kind of buddies, and you kind of ride them into battle. And you know, there's a lot of kind your of buddies. Your monsties, monsties. Yeah. Oh, God Almighty. Um, and yeah, you get a lot of these things where like your attacks can synergize with the monster, and um, you can do like kind of buddy attacks and combo attacks. Uh, it really leans hard into that JRPG uh, trope of like there are three kinds of damage that you can do and you have to do the, the, the opposite one to what the monster's doing. It's the Pokemon doing. thing, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it, but it leans into it so much that when you're actually selecting your attack, you have a wheel to choose from, whether yeah. it's like power, speed, or technical. <laughs> and you have to just get the opposite corresponding one to whatever. It's rock, the, paper, scissors, isn't it? Yeah. It does some stuff I don't like. Um, I don't like the wisecracking Palico... Um, buddy that you've got Neither he speaks I. with a New York accent <laughs> and it's just like oh god he's so annoying that's not game breaking is, at all is it oh well the thing is right your character the character you play as is it's a little bit like in Dragon Quest where where the character is mute you do a bit of a character creator thing so it's not like a set character like in uh, Dragon Quest but you do a character creator thing whatever you whatever character you create is mute throughout so What's his name? Navalu? Naravu? Um, Navalu. Navalu. Something something along those lines. Something like that. Either way, he is effectively your voice. He's the main character from the first game. Yeah. But he just, he he constantly refers to you as as my buddy. And every time he says it, I want to (laughs) kick him into the sea. The the other conceit is like to get, to do the kind of the Pokemon side of thing, um, to get the, 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 the creatures, you actually have to raid nests and steal the eggs. It's not good for vegetarians, this game. No, it's... And when when we talked about Monster Hunter Rise when that came out, I kind of praised it on the fact that they changed up the dynamic of it because previously in Monster Hunter, you were going into a habitat and killing yeah, things that just, just existed there. Mm. Whereas with Monster Hunter Rise, they're kind of... You're defending your village because the monsters are constantly attacking that area. 
This kind of then takes it back to that other way of it going. It says, <laughs> I was like, hey, look, there's a monster, monster nest. The monster's not around. Let's steal an egg. The one thing I didn't like is like, <laughs> at the beginning, they're like, we don't hunt them, we ride them. But to ride them, we have to hunt them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on. There's also other stuff like it's made by, it's made by a different team that made um, yeah. Monster Hunter Rise, so it's not using the RE engine. It's got this it's got this quite quaint, so it's kind of cell shaded art style. But I think uh, Monster Hunter Rise looks much better than it. It's best looking game on Switch, I think. Yeah, and I think the music in Rise is much better, but the music in this is pretty good. Like I like the battle theme and I like stuff like that. So um, I'll, I'll get the full game. Like I said, I do like it. Oh, uh, good. I'm glad you will. But I, I don't like it as much as I like Rise. No, no, no. Um, it's nowhere near as good. But no, it is good. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about is the reason why I talk about Monster Hunter Rise is I don't have a lot to talk about this one, but this is the main one I want to talk about because it started today. It's Summer Games Done Quick has started, and I love it. <laughs> so, so two weeks of a year, you just get brilliant, a brilliant festival of speed running, and this is the, this is the summer one. So, if you're unaware of what Games Done Quick is, it is um, a, a charity live stream that runs over the space of seven days, 24-7 across that as well. It's like con- there's constant streams going on it, um, uh, benefiting, in this case, the summer, it's Doctors Without Borders, um, and it's basically a cavalcade of speedrunners breaking games for our entertainment and for charity, and it's wonderful. I love it. I watch it every year. Every year I donate. Every year I've already bought the T-shirt for this for this event. I bought the one for the last one, and I bought the one for the one before that. I always buy the T-shirt. Uh, and give a bit of money to them, and yeah, it's just wonderful. Like, so it started this afternoon as of recording. So I watched the the pre-show. Um, the first run that they did, Oodles, this one will break your mind because it was Dragon Age Inquisition. What done in forty minutes? Fuck off! <laughs> Seriously, it took me about done in forty weeks to beat that. <laughs> <laughs> boring, boring weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, they did it in forty minutes. Okay, I wish um, it were like that when I played it. How can you do it? A- Game that big, glitching. Yeah, but I mean, it, yeah, that, that that one is a glitch one. That in that in that case, they were they were playing around with a few things. So like with Dragon Dragon uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, um, they have the thing. It's it's the, it's the warboard, I think it is, where yeah. you've got to like build up so much power through that through like jobs that happen in kind of real time. Yeah. So it's kind of they get through a couple of the checkpoints with it, and then they just like time travel. They change the the PC's time, so it thinks, oh, he's been playing this game for forty hours and stuff like that. Yeah. And, I was yeah, going to say, because, like but- I mean, how on earth could you do a game that big in 40 minutes? Well, there's also stuff like kind of um, they found a map glitch. Like, so, so the previous time that they did it, it, game's done quick, it took them two hours to do it. They found a map glitch where it's basically really early on in the game you can do a certain button combination that unlocks every fast travel icon in the map just within the first half an hour That's of you playing good. It. You need yeah. that. <laughs> uh, the one I watched after that was um, uh, F-Zero GX. Ooh, love that. Love that. Uh, be- beating all the races in an hour and a half. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so um, because obviously this has been going on now, and as this comes out on Thursday, I've got some picks for some stuff that um, I think everyone should check out with it. Yeah. So for Thursday, uh, these are all UK time as well. So, you know, if you're elsewhere in the world, work it out. Um, <laughs> 7.15 in the evening, Outer Wilds. What? It's a beautiful game. Uh, in an hour, so it's basically Ooh. three cycles of the game. Yeah. Um, the Doom Eternal um, DLC, so the Ancient Gods one and two, that's on at eleven o'clock. It's nice. about ten hours long, isn't it? Yeah, and they are half an hour each that they're Whoa. estimating to do those in. 
uh, on the Friday, um, uh, just after eight o'clock, is uh, Celeste with some custom maps. Mm, Got to watch so that. These, so, so these are maps made by third parties. They do a few of these, like they, they like doing like ROM hacks with Mario and and um, and stuff like that. So the, these will be psychotically difficult maps. Like obviously, Celeste is already a difficult game, but like these custom maps will be ridiculous. Uh, also on Friday is uh, Breath of the Wild. That one is two hours hitting hitting every shrine. Fuck off. <laughs> and then beating the game. So that's 120 shrines and beating the game. I've still not hours. got 120 shrines. I've had it for two years. <laughs> is that with the first weapon they get as well that doesn't break? Is it folk? <laughs> uh, on the Saturday, uh, really early on in the morning, but I know you'll be interested in this one, Oodles, Fire Emblem Three Houses oh. in, in an hour and a half. Fuck what? Then uh, Super Metroid at uh, just after six o'clock. Uh, in the evening, uh, Super Metroid in an hour and twenty, which is actually wow. a pretty decent time for Super Metroid. Yeah, it is. Hang on, again—that's uh, insane. He's so confused, <laughs> the poor man. <laughs> but it is. There's a lot of back, backwards and forwards in that game, so going and unlock everything. I mean, don't, don't, don't forget, Biggie. People have done glitchless runs of Dark Souls in forty minutes. <laughs> well, also, also, also the um, the super, well, the Super Metroid one's a race as well. It's two, yeah. it's uh, three runners against each other. Whoever finishes oh. first. <laughs> Which I, those are the ones I love, and then the I last two, the, the last two I'd recommend because they're always a good time. Um, Dark Souls three in an hour. Oh. <laughs> that's also the, that's also glitchless. What? Wow, <laughs> that's so killing the, any, like that's killing like the the five unoptional bosses, isn't it? Yeah, it, yeah, that's any percent. So they don't have to hit every single boss. Yeah, yeah, still be, getting from the start of the game to the ending cutscene. I can do it in five hours. hours. That's my max. That's my earliest. <laughs> and the and the last one is um because the, the first time that it's been on because it's only just come out um the Demon Souls remake. Oh, there'll be no glitches either. Nope, that's again that's any percent on the current patch. <laughs> so yeah, really do get on that. It's a really Good charity drive, anyway. It's a lot of fun. They also have like prizes if you donate. Like the, if you donate so much over it, it's like cumulative. You can um, be entered in raffle surprises. The the top prize this time is that you need to donate more than two hundred and fifty dollars across the whole event over the space of the week, and you get entered into a prize to win um, a replica master sword and Hylian shield, Ooh. like forged, like proper metal. Ooh, that's me. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah ab- absolutely great event. I I love it, and I'll talk I'll talk about it on the Nexus every every time it comes up because I will I watch it every year, and it's one of those things I, I don't watch it all live, obviously because it's twenty four hours. But it then provides me with a great amount of entertainment on YouTube. I like that fo- um, following on after. I like that um, Zeusy Toast guy, whatever he's called. Hey Zeusy Toast, yeah, yeah he's he does brilliant. the Blood Bowl ones. He's sadly he, he's not on this one, but you can follow his Twitch. I mean, he does. Oh yeah, he's Blood fantastic. Bowl all the time. Um, and then, like across, I mean, obviously the other ones across that, which will will have happened by the time we're talking about this, but like Super Mario Brothers two on um, on All Stars on the snares uh, in twenty five minutes, which I, that's an ungodly time for that one. Mega Man two in twenty minutes on the Game Boy. Whoa! Yeah, some uh, some really mental shit here. Like they're doing like X Men two, the Clone Wars, Two Raider Anniversary, um, Link the Faces of Evil. <laughs> which is the CDI version of Zelda, <laughs> uh, and and uh, also you know based on what we talked about last week uh, f- f- uh, from Candy's point, uh, Majora's Mask they're doing that in under two hours, and that's a hundred percent run as well. Whoa, oh, God! Yeah. There's some random one. choices in there as well, isn't there? That X Men Two Clone Wars or whatever it was you said. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a bit of a random one. It's, it's classic. It's, it's, 
yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, it's a, just a classic X Men game. Like they they're not all modern games that they play, and they're not no. all kind of just nineties games as well. They play, there's there's like a lot of games just from all across things. Like they've got stuff like uh, Crash Bandicoot Four, which obviously came out last year. Mm. Um, it's so about time. Yeah, that one. Yeah, uh, little, little Nightmares Two's on there. Um, oh. There's that's part of the horror block as well, which has also got Dead Space and Resident Evil Seven. Oh, um, I bet I bet you can do seven in really. I, I did seven on Madhouse in three hours. Uh, well, that, the Resident Evil Seven one's another race, and that's an hour thirty-seven. The estimated. I can't for do that. that. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Metal Gear Solid Three HD in in one hour twenty. Whoa! Which um, and that's on European Extreme as well. So you can't get spotted. So, can't get spotted. Um, but also, I mean, doesn't it take an hour and eighteen to climb that ladder in it? You can't skip that. So that's uh, mm. what two minutes thirty. Yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn in two hours on a nope. uh, new game plus ultra hard. Don't believe it. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, mad, go, go, yeah, go and go and watch these things. Like if if you go if you look on gamesdonequick.com forward slash schedule, you'll get all the schedule for it, and it's just twitch.tv slash gamesdonequick. It's something to put your mind off the football, isn't it, uh, gadget? Well, you, well, you don't have to think it, about that. that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You get football, I get speed running. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy with that. It's coming in quick. <laughs> it's coming quick. Yeah. It's, it's coming home in a rush. <laughs> Excellent, good shout. Um, this week I have been watching the football, obviously, but I have also been. I've been playing the game for the past three weeks, and I'm in love with it. I'm in love Is with it Dragon Quest Eleven. No, nope. no, it's not at all. It's Super Magbot by Astral Pixel. Disclaimer: I was given a code for this. By the lovely guys at Team 17. Um, this is a 2D puzzle platformer without the most essential button, the jump button. Bad. What? Yes, there isn't a jump button on this. I think this is incredible as a 2D platformer. I like it more than I like Celeste. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's strong words. Yep, yep. It's not, as, it's not been reviewed as strong. I mean, it's been favourably reviewed, but it doesn't have the emotional gut punch of Celeste, but... I think the the platform in itself, the structure, it's more structured like Super Meatball. So uh, Meat Boy, Super Meatball, <laughs> Super Meat Boy. Just the title. <laughs> where you get um, you get a world, and then you've got like twenty levels in that world. If you remember Super yeah. Meat Boy, it's more like that. There is a a story there. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just try to save the the, the magnetic galaxy. <laughs> you play as this little. Super Magbot, cute as cute as a button, um, proper pixel style, and the most fascinating thing is, yeah, you don't have a jump button, so it's all about magnets and how magnets work. So, how do magnets work, Oodles? Please explain to us. There's there's, there's a red side and there's a blue side. <laughs> <laughs> That's how magnets work. Yeah, science. Yeah, smash that. So with the controls, the controls are the craziest thing. So you use the left thumbstick to run left and right, obviously. The right mm-hmm. thumbstick to aim your magnet beam. And the trigger buttons to choose which magnetic polarity. So that's how you get away with not having a jump button. So if you press the right trigger for the, the red magnet, and that's your red power or magnetic polarity, you're going to get bounced away, aren't you? Because that's how magnets work. Red and red, bounce, bounce away. You can't. I don't yeah. know the science words. <laughs> but if you use, yes, but if you use the blue on the red, what's going to happen? Attract. You attract, and that is the premise to the game. It's oh my god, 
At first, I thought this is the craziest button, the scheme, because it's just a 2D platformer. I was, I was going to say, just with the way you're explaining it there, it sounds like it would be difficult to wrap your head around. That it, sounds it took me, com- it, mate, it took me, oh, it took me at least the first world to really figure out what's happening. Um, and it's, it, it, it proper guides you in gently. Um, and after a while, I, I kept, I still kept having to look at the, uh, the switch in my hand, you know, for the buttons and stuff. Yeah. And after about world two and a half, maybe world three, because there's plenty of worlds, um, it just, it was just there. It was, do you know when it just clicks, and you're in, and it, it was second nature. I even changed controls to my wireless one, so I didn't even, because obviously the my switch is blue and red, you know, with the Joy Cons, and that's how the buttons are: the red polarity yeah. and the blue polarity. So it, it was easier for my eyesight. But then I changed it to my Pro controller. I didn't need the color coding anymore. I mean, if if, if you do suffer from color blindness, there is color blind mode, which makes it ev- even easier. Um, if you don't like difficult games as well, because it's fucking rock hard. Uh, there's there's an easy mode where you can have loads of checkpoints and stuff like that. It's just, oh my God, it's just so fucking good. You know, when you, it's hard to explain why I love it so much without just me throwing the game at you and telling you to play it for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, I bought it for my son's Switch. <laughs> so even though I got a code, I bought it again because he was watching me play it. He's eight and he's nearly completed it, so he's got the easy mode on, and do you know what I mean? Making it easy for him, and he absolutely adores it. So it's just fun for everyone. Uh, I, I don't really know what much else to say about. I'm, I'm, I'm currently writing a review on it. Um, <clears throat> it's just oh, like people say, "Oh, I love Celeste," but what do people say when they first talk about Celeste? They talk about the emotional, the story, yeah. and and how it's it's a it's, it's a good it's a good. Um, metaphor for oh, mental illness and stuff like that and the climb yeah that's absolutely fine if you're not into that shit <laughs> just play Superman <laughs> if you just want to lose yourself it, this is pure gameplay and you know I'm a big fan of pure gameplay oh, um, yeah. there is a story there but it's just they, they know it's tongue in cheek it's quite funny um, it's just so good it's just so good so it's please. interesting you mentioned about the, the easy mode as well because mm-hmm. Um, that's been a point over the last year, or whatever, about yeah. difficulty in games. Should there be an easy mode or not? And I don't have an issue with it being there. Like, obviously, Dark Souls is fucking doing my head yeah. in sometimes. But if there's an easy mode, yeah. that's great if people want that. But then it takes away from the whole idea of how that game should be played. But at least if the option is there for people. Yeah, it's just checkpoints. So it's not, like it it's not like you're cheating yourself out of the actual mechanics no. or you're not, miss- you're not skipping level. You're just checkpointing it, which is yeah. it's absolutely fine. Well, Celeste had the assists as well, so you could yeah. like, trigger like like infinite jumps and stuff, and infinite boosts and stuff yeah. like that. So I think I think for this kind of game, like I am not going to hide the fact that I used the easy mode on the last world. Mm. It was rock hard. I, I just I was I get to a point where I could have broken my Joy Cons. So I thought, you know what? Rather than having to buy another sixty pound pair of Joy Cons, <laughs> I'm just going to knock it down to easy. And I got through it, and it's lovely. And I still. I've, I've started it again. I'm trying to beat my tech because it's optional, like on Celestial, you know, where you can get the fruit and stuff. Yeah. There's optional things you have to collect before you get out of the levels and stuff like that. It, it is structured. It's, it's Super Meat Boy and Celeste mixed into one. Get rid of the emotional gut punch. And it's just an absolute, oh, it's just a whale of a time. I absolutely adore it. And it's the best 2D platform I've played in years. I absolutely I'm into, I'm into I it. I'll look it up. It's cheap as well. It's not expensive. It, well, I got it. I think I got it twelve quid as well. 
So, and I'm telling you, I got about 20 hours out of this. Nice. But if you just want to steam through it, 10 hours, you're done. It's really good. Play it. I'm going to give that a go. Is it Switch only or is it on other platforms? Xbox PC, I think. Cool. I'm going to check what that one out. I recommend it on Switch because it's one of them where uh, you're nipping down to toilet for a poo. You can get that, get a level done while you're having a poo. <laughs> <laughs> or you're waiting for some toast to pop up. Quite some... for the box. Yeah. You, you, you put, you, you've, you've put some bread in the toaster. You know you've got three minutes. The levels take roughly between two and 30 and one minute, 30 seconds to one minute each level. If you if you're really good at it, like I can I can blast the first world now. I've collected everything, and that's why I've gone back to collect everything. It's just so much fun. The music's good, but obviously you know what I'm like. Eventually, I just turned it off. But yeah, I really love it. And if I were to put a score in it already, I'm getting it a nine out of ten. Ooh, Ooh coming in hot. I Ooh. adore it. Please, please, please play it. And if you don't like it, I'll refund it for you. <gasps> That's just for you guys, not for everyone listening. <laughs> I'm gonna say, wow! <laughs> right, that's us all done because Stig's still not here. He hasn't turned up. Um, Biggie, what are we discussing this week? Yeah, this week it's all about things that jump the shark. What things in all media, when and truly reach the heights of ridiculousness, that they nearly or did completely ruin a series. And as Oodles alluded to earlier, the phrase actually derives from that 1977 episode of the sitcom Happy Days, in which the character Fonzie jumps over a shark. It is the best episode. Skis. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's that bad, actually, that um, there's a brilliant scene in Arrested Development where his character in that actually jumps a shark. Yeah, it does. As a reference, it's brilliant. Spoilers, I'm still watching. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Not yeah. from his head. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. So yeah, um, as modern escapism does, we jumped the shark many, many, many moons ago. Uh, we're just going to do our usual round table. We've got some honourable mentions later on. Um, we're going to start with um, gadget. Okay. So the first one. Well, both mine are video games. Incidentally, no. The first way. one. Uh, shockingly enough, I like games. Um. The first one isn't actually like a thing that derailed a series. I'm talking about jumping a shark mid-story. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that does happen. We're going to talk about the 2005 video game Fahrenheit, or <laughs> if, you're, if you're not in Europe, Indigo Prophecy. It's the second game by Quantic Dream, the second mm. directed game by David Cage. <laughs> Hello, I'm per- David Cage. <laughs> the perennial video game baddie. I am a director of games. Yes, and you know he counts the video game buddy because he inserts himself into his games. <laughs> he's a fucking bell end. Is he in there? A massive bell end. He's in every game he's done. Yes. I never realised that. I, ne- I never realised that. Most of his games he does like Hitchcock walk-ons. Like he has a. Scan or sometimes he in. plays an NPC or something. Oh shit! Yeah. I did not know that. There was there was one game. I can't remember whether it was Fahrenheit or whether it was a uh, Heavy Rain. Where there is actually him talking at you in the game. Yeah, it's Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit, yeah. So Fahrenheit is a 2005 um, kind of it's like action adventure story game. Um, you play as a man called Lucas Kane, um, and the game starts with a mystery. And I always like when a game starts with a mystery. The best start to a game in a long it time, I thought. Yeah, in in the game, you start off in in a in a public restroom in New York. Um, your character standing over the dead body of somebody else, holding a knife. Yep. 
and you have to do then a lot of contextual stuff to like what do you do do you escape then all of a sudden the police are outside like like not not looking for you but there's like a policeman comes in to use the toilet and stuff like that and it's like very tense very emotional uh, and you escape from that and then as the plotline goes on it becomes this kind spoiler of like alert. twisting <laughs> yeah spoiler alerts but twisting web of mystery it involves your kind of your ex-girlfriend um it gets a little bit supernatural, which is not where it jumps the shark. The supernatural stuff I actually thought was not bad. It yeah, gets it's a bit we- quite explained, isn't it? It's it, it's explained reasonably well within the world. Um, it's there's also kind of an allegory to like kind of Lucas is losing his mind a little bit, um, and you know he starts seeing things, but you can't tell whether that's his mental state or whether it is something supernatural happening. Um, there's a really chunky sex scene about halfway through it. But that's every David Cage game. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. It really is every David Cage game. Um, there's some terrible dialogue, some really bad graphics. But you get to the kind of the two-thirds point about the film. Tensions. There have been many. You end up in, uh, I want to say it's Mexico or something like that. But basically... The, south the, of the border. Yeah, south of, <laughs> south of, of the USA. There is the UK. You won't there is things going with there is things going in there. There's kind of like Mayan sacrifices and Mayan calendars and a bit of Aztec shit going on there. Uh you find a military base because there's always a military base. And then Lucas gets killed. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Yep. But the game doesn't end there. Nope. Nope. Because because Lucas is resurrected. Yes. By because artificial he... intelligence. Because he is the Omnichrist. <laughs> And you, you get this ridiculous scene where Lucas kind of reanimates himself. He kind of like shocks back in life. And standing over you is this kind of, it's like segmented jet. You know what the Protheans look like in Halo 4? <laughs> these kind of like floaty segmented alien creature things. Like that. <laughs> and he announces that he is an artificial intelligence that seeks the indigo child. Who is a young girl who carries a secret that grants unlimited power to whoever hears it. And it goes fucking off the rails from this point fucking on. Fucking shite. <laughs> it's so bad. The, the most annoying thing about it is up to that point, I mean, even when like the supernatural stuff gets in, and the, even that gets a little bit tenuous, like when it goes when you they move, go to, move down to Mexico or wherever they end up, um, that stuff gets a little bit tenuous, but it still kind of makes sense within the story. And then you just get it's it's like alluding to like the like this is not only artificial intelligence, like this is the internet. <laughs> the internet's a baddie. Yeah, it's like the artificial intelligence wants to spread itself through the internet, <laughs> become everything. Never mind, just... it would dial up at that point. Yes, yeah. it's so bad. Um, the Jesus metaphors are so on the nose. Like when he like resurrects, he's doing a crucifix, and oh yeah, the, so the, the, fucking oh yeah, the, yeah. The the, the, the savior metaphors are so on the nose. It makes the Matrix re- yeah. uh, revolutions look subtle. Yeah, he does <laughs> literally. <laughs> If someone said to me, do you want to play the second half of Fahrenheit or do you want to watch the two Matrix sequels that apparently exist, I'd watch those. <laughs> I mean... It, I, I've played this game, but I'm sure I... I loved the beginning it, of I it. I don't remember... So, so the, th- the thing is, it's entirely possible to miss this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Depending on the choices that you depending make. Depending on your ending. <laughs> yeah. But this is, like the, this is like the canon ending. This is how it's supposed to end. Like... When you when you're resurrected by the AI, God, I can't even say it with a straight face. When you're resurrected by the AI, that's kind of like canonically like where no matter what ending you get beyond that point, that is supposed to be how the yeah. story ends. But you can actually get an ending without seeing that at all. Yeah, because, yeah. That, like because that, so 
this was the first time David Cage was experimenting with this kind of branching narrative story, um, which he's gone on to do with like Heavy Rain and uh, Detroit and stuff like that. Um, but he kind of put far too many into it. <laughs> so many dead, permutations. Yeah. Um, but everyone I've, I've spoken to about this game over the years man, got the AI bit. And yeah. it's just like, I got it by every, pure accident. Yeah, everyone collectively rolled their eyes at it. Like I'm, I'm playing. I'm like, I'm just like, you know, just pottering along my little 2005 self, you know, just popping along the new metal and pop punk and all that, and then playing this and thinking, oh, this is some deep shit, man. Mm. And then, <laughs> as I've grown older, I've realised, no, this is the ravings of a lunatic. Mm. David Cage should not be allowed to write he things down. Should have been down. stopped then. He shouldn't be allowed to put a shopping list together. So, at what point did you say this happens in the game? About two thirds of the way through. Or a bit further? Two thirds of the way. <laughs> Do you think they got to the end of the game thought, right, we finished it, let's hand it in. And then they said, actually, wait, we want to charge 50, 60 quid for this. We need another like 10, no, 20 hours. It's quite a lengthy game up to up until that point. So yeah, they yeah. Could have got away you don't with think it. they said, right, just start chugging caffeine and just write anything. No one cares. Yeah. No, no one's gonna I get reckon this, this was Cage's idea from the get-go. He wanted to do something profound. And he'd been watching The Matrix and reading the Bible and mixing them together and Fucking hell. A lot of acid. A lot of acid. That was my next question. Do you think there were drugs involved? And French acid. Strongest acid. <laughs> but most, like, all the reviewers at the time, they criticised the last third of it, not just because of that particular plot point, but also the fact that the game like crashes to an end because it was so rushed at the end. They put, yeah. Like I said, David Cage put too, too many permutations into it and too, it's like too much story. It's, like it's so overwritten and overwrought. The dialogue is dreadful. The actors, the actors are doing the best they can. Like they're not, performances aren't bad. No. Like, what, one of the one of the things that you'll notice about Quantic Dream games is like character performances are usually pretty good. It's the words coming out of their mouth that are fucking dreadful <laughs> because David Cage cannot write. And the fact that most, especially mo- most of women. the non-main characters are clearly French Canadian. Clearly, they've all got that. Yeah. They've, all, they've all got that French Canadian twang because he's probably because I don't think he can speak English very well. So he's obviously trying to direct people that can speak French with him and also can do that American accent. Yeah, just to to spoil one part of the absolute ending of this one, because this is a David Cage game, and you spend, you know, obviously all your time as Lucas being hunted by a detective. The detective is a woman; she's a very good-looking woman. Mm. Of course, she's pregnant at the end and living with Lucas. Yeah, they, they had because sex. that's how David Cage writes women. <laughs> not as bad as the. Uh, it's not as bad as the Beyond Two Souls shower scene. No, nothing much is. <laughs> no, not, nothing much is. <laughs> But it's up there. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, the he- or the heavy rain shower scene, for that matter. Oh, yeah. yeah. The two heavy rain shower scenes. What about the scenes? Detroit shower scene? Yeah. I'm beginning to see a pattern here. Yeah, yeah so am <laughs> I. This next game's just going to be a shower simulator, isn't it? <laughs> Probably, I mean, yeah. I know it's off topic, but I still love that glitch in heavy rain with the press X for Jason. It's That's just- not a glitch. <laughs> It's so funny. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, just check out that YouTube. Jason, amazing. Jason. Do you know what? So Heavy Rain. It just appeared on my PlayStation one day. I have no memory of downloading it. It just appeared like that. You that like that U two <laughs> album on the. Cage put it on for you. It was just there. I'm surprised you've never, never met him. It was. Um, I say what it was. It was like. Um, was it a freebie for lockdown or something? I'm sure it was. It was something. I like, don't want a gift it. from Sony. Please oh, don't give it, it to me. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it, yeah, something like that. I'm sure it was. No, um, wasn't it one of the games that was given away like uh, when PlayStation had that massive hack in the PS3 era? Yes. Yeah, it could be that. Yes. It was something. It was definitely it was given away for some reason. I think on PS3 yeah. generation, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't play, don't play Indigo Prophecy or Fahrenheit or whatever you want to call it. It's no. bad. No, just just play like a different one, like Until Dawn or something like. Not by him. A game similar, yeah. but not by him. <laughs> Fucking play that's Man of game, Medan actually. over this. Like, that's oh, how bad this is. Play Man of Medan over this. I liked Man of Medan. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. You're the one of... I am the one. The, the only one. Mind you, I do like some dodgy games. There are literally dozens of you, Candy. <laughs> Who like Man of Tens Medan. Tens of people love that game. I know them all. <clears throat> Excellent. Good, good first start. Uh, good first shout. I'm going to do the next one, because I fancy changing the order up, because Stig's not here to shout at us. <laughs> uh, I you make talk- it sound like Stig's some kind of taskmaster for us He is He is the taskmaster um, I want to talk about game Games And a game that I thought Similar to you when you first played Fahrenheit Oh this is profound and cool When I first played it In 1999 I want to say I want to talk about Final Fantasy VIII and Those that have played it know what's yeah, coming No Yeah <laughs> <laughs> So people Again, that have, squandered potential. Yes. People that have not played this game, it is a, a uh, Japanese role-playing game, um, very typical of Final Fantasy. If you've seen any Japanese role-playing game, you know exactly how it plays. I don't want to talk about the gameplay. The gameplay is fine. Well, yeah. well, it's adequate. The story. Oh, <laughs> boy, where do we start? So you start as Squall, or in my case, Oodles, because <laughs> you get to name him. He's yes, not because all characters are oodles to you. He's not a silent protagonist, which is nice. Um, <laughs> he st- this starts the game. He's, he's in a school of um, want-to- want-to-be mercenaries called Seed. Um, and you just think, oh, this is going to be one of those um, anime... He's a child soldier. Yeah, he, they're, all, they're all 15, 16, something like that. I think, I think, I think Squall's the oldest. He's like supposed to be 17, but the rest yeah, of them are he, like 15. And his, his teacher, Quistis, is uh, 19. <laughs> the old hag. Which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so it, 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 it turns... Yeah, when you're playing it for the first, what, 20 hours, it seems to be very anime um, school of gifted very youngsters. Emo. Very emo. Um, he doesn't like to open up himself to others as the main uh, character. He talks to us a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah. He talks to the player a lot um, through his through his mind and stuff. And then something wild happens um, about halfway through. So the main uh, antagonist is Sorceress Idea. She's the sorceress. She is the evil baddie, but she's not. She's not at all. She is a sorceress that is controlled. But I've got this written down because I forget. A sorceress that is cr- controlled by sorceress Adele, whom in turn is controlled by sorceress Ultimicia, and who turns Renoa, the main love interest, into sorceress Renoa, all down to time compression. It goes <laughs> fucking batshit crazy. Now, <laughs> the game struggles to explain its own plot to itself and to us, yep. the player. Uh, basically, you have to... Uh, Go to the moon <laughs> to stop uh, what they call the lunar cry, where monsters are plunged from the moon for some kind of phenomenon <laughs> on some kind of moon bridge that, that's made of monsters. So monsters climbing on top of monsters. Think World War Z, but yep. on the moon. 
Uh, and these monsters, every 50 years or so, come to Earth and lay fucking rampage against the Earth. And that's why the world's inhabited by monsters. Um, that's not the fucking jump the shark moment. <laughs> Shockingly enough. <laughs> yeah, the jump the shark moment is the actual... Some call it a conspiracy. I call it a fact. At the end of the first disc, massive spoiler alerts, the main character dies. Mm. And people assume... Mm, people say this is a conspiracy. So the main character, Squall, dies. He gets killed. Then he wakes up, and then the rest of the crazy mother... Just, just fucking stupid game happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking stupid. <laughs> and at the end... All he wasn't this, resurrected all this by AI by any chance, was he? No, no, he's just dead. He's just dead. So the, basically, the the rest of the game is just not real. It's fucking limbo. It's a dream. It's Dallas. Is it Dallas that did the dream thing? It is, isn't yeah, it's it? Dallas, yeah. <laughs> it's that. And to the point where the game doesn't even tell you that. It took years and years later for the developers to tell you that. And then the developers started denying that again. And it's become this whole... Final Fantasy VIII conspiracy circle where it's now jumping its own shark multiple times because time compression. It's very difficult to explain. <laughs> so if you've not played it, um, just just play it for the actual gameplay if you want. Because I mean, have you guys played it at all? Uh, Can you yeah. explain yeah. the plot any better than me? Yeah, it was the first Final Fantasy I played actually, and looking back at it now, I, do you know what? I never thought it jumped the shark when I played it, which I would have probably been about fifteen, I think. Mm-hmm. But looking at back at now, it's yeah. What the fuck was that game? What about the fact? <laughs> what about the fact that your party that you've been playing along with, like ten party members, it all turns out they were they were all from the same orphanage growing up, but they forgot. That's right, and they forgot, they forgot. everything because of the summons, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, they forgot. But from what I what I took from well, not the ending because I don't want to spoil, and I don't really remember it. But I remember thinking that actually that it ended up that Renoa was Ultimessia and that Squall was her summons. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I I never finished it. Uh, surprised, not like you, but uh, yeah, by I got Final quite Fantasy, far in it though. By Final Fantasy standards, it is the most overwritten. It's ridiculous. Like the, the, they've tri- they've Final Fantasy VII tells a reasonably straightforward tale. Yeah, if you with, twist with a nice little twist. Way. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you you you've got you've got the run of the story. It's explained. Adequately. And it's explained to you. Mm. Whereas I think they tried to do something clever with it because I think they, they, they had the the narrative idea of having the Squall story and the Laguna story. Yeah. The, the, and, yeah, yeah. And it's quite an interesting little mystery like how the two are connected as you go through the first couple of discs. Mm. Um, and it's never explained. <laughs> it's never explained. It's assumed. Um, it doesn't go anywhere. It just kind of ends. Yep. And, but they put in so much metaphysical crap into the dialogue. Mm. That isn't actually translated that well. There's some dialogue that comes it's out. You just think, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah. It's better than Final Fantasy VII's translation, but not <laughs> by much. Um, and it's a really frustrating thing because, apart from the story, it is one of my favorite Final Fantasies because I like the battle system. Yeah, it's I like great. the world. I like, you know, I like the design of Seed. There's I like loads the of, of the summons. World. Loads. Yeah, the, the summons animations are beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Mm. The graphics um, are a real step up from. Yeah, seven. they were. Yeah, yeah. 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 they've got fingers on this. <laughs> but fuck me, yeah, the story it even has a proto it. Wakanda in it. The Esther, the the, the city oh, that's hidden well, from the it? world. Yeah. It's yeah. it's pretty cool. But then, why is it that city helping the rest of the world when there's a sorceress <laughs> about killing everybody? Yeah. And it does it, it it does the she's not really the baddie three times with different. 
bad is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, come on. It's just, yeah, he jumps the shark like six times. And, and then think about it, from Final Fantasy VIII to Final Fantasy IX, which goes back to its humble beginnings. It's all simple and nice and straightforward, kind of. <laughs> kind of. It's just, I don't know, it's just, it puts, a, it puts a bad taste in my mouth just when you think of the plot. I know people love it and people love the characters. The characters are well written, uh, apart from uh, Irving. He's not very well written. He just turns up. <laughs> um, the orphanage stories. It seems like a last minute that one, and it's weird that they all end up like shagging each other, <laughs> even though they were yeah. raised as brothers and sisters. And one of them's the teacher, and she still wants to shag him. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's a good game, but it's just that plot, man. It need it needs people say, "Oh, we want the FF Seven remake." No, I wanted an FF Eight remake, and I wanted it to make sense. And now they seem <laughs> to be doing. Wouldn't get that with FF Seven. They seem to be doing the FF Eight thing. <laughs> so it's like, stop it. Stop doing it. So yeah, Final Fantasy VIII is uh, jump jumping the shark, the ten sharks in a row like Evil Can Evil. Do you know what I mean? It's fucking <laughs> mad. So Biggie, what you got? Yeah, I wanted to talk about um, this one affects Stiggy slightly. So he's not here. I'm, don't, don't I'm not going to spoil him. it too much. It's just yeah, live free or die hard. I just. <laughs> That just frustrates which, which, me. Which number so is that one? Much. Four. Four. Mm. It's just it's, it's no, such it's a five. weird. It's five. It's five. Oh, it's sorry, four, five. Four yes. was four was Die Hard four point zero. Oh That's yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. But this is the one where you start off. If you think back to Stiggy's favourite Die Hard, John McClane was just sort of your everyday cop. Come out to the coast. In the right, <laughs> in the wrong place at the right time. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, he's just a normal person. And then by th- this point in this movie, I mean, John McClane, basically, he ends up being involved in bringing a known hacker in to help the cybersecurity division at the LAPD after a recent suspicious outage that happens. And while he's trying to pick this guy up, he ends up having to rescue the hacker from an assassination attempt because, it, of course, um, ends up on the wrong end of a terrorist group trying to fight this really bad villain played by Timothy Oliphant. Isn't this number four? I think you're talking about four. Is it four? Yeah. With Kevin Smith in it. I can't remember. Is he Does he it? jump this on a, not... uh, a jet? Yeah. yeah we it's number four. That's number uh, four. Sorry. It's number four. <laughs> so it's dying on blend into one at the certain four. point, don't yeah, they? I'm listening. I'm going, because I've never seen five. I'm like, God, five's just like four. Yeah, no. This is, uh, sorry, this is dying on point, 4.0. We're just in long and, yeah. Yeah. It, it was just four. The, the bit that I want to talk about is the John McClane versus the fighter. Pilot. Jump the fighter jet, yeah. It's just, he ends up, this is near the end of the film, this has obviously come up to the climatic part of the movie. But you go from all the action scenes that John McClane's been involved in to then suddenly trying to control an 18-wheeler truck <laughs> whilst going up a freeway ramp, getting shot to shit by a jet. <laughs> and as the ramp collapses, Parts of the debris fall towards the jet that is so close. doesn't need to be. So he ends up flying behind the ramp where the truck is collapsing. And then more damage ends up hitting the jet. And then the back of the truck opens. John McClane rolls through the truck. And then he ends up flying in the air and landing on the wing of this jet (laughs) as the pilot 
ejects out of it. And then he has to jump off a spinning jet and land safely. And he does without a scratch. Bear in mind, this is the film he did kill a helicopter with a police car. <laughs> the explosions, the, it's just so ridiculous. It's lost everything that Die Hard stood for. Well, yeah, because the whole thing, oh. the whole thing, the whole thing with the original Die Hard, the first three Die Hard films, is that John McClane was just a normal guy. Like he, a number exactly. one, he was a normal guy, and number two, he's a normal guy that's got rid of the terrorists and had to do it again. And number three, he's just got a hangover. He's just yeah, yeah he's absolutely hanging. He's <laughs> yeah, basically he's, stick. But, but, yeah, yeah. But the whole th- the whole thing is he is just a normal guy. Like he's not. I know he, there are things that he does in, the, especially in the first Die Hard film, that are completely unrealistic. Like the whole thing with the. Um, the fire hose jumping off the roof kind of thing. That would, yeah. that would have killed Because you're fucking Dalmatian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what made those films different to the other 80s action films was that, like, he gets injured. Like, you see him struggling. It's not mostly either. Not, no, he's not a one-man army. No. Yeah. Whereas in Die Hard 4, he kills a fighter jet by jumping on its back. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's like oh. the worst Shadow of the Colossus ever. It, yeah, it's so <laughs> furated. I absolutely... I, I mean, I was kind of... I knew it wasn't Die Hard 1, 2, 3. It wasn't as good as those. I knew it wasn't going to be really... But at at that point, I was kind of just accepting the movie. But when that happened, I was like, you know what? I'm (laughs) done. I'm literally done. He's flying around on the jet wing, holding on. It's why I haven't watched number five. (sighs) Neither have I, clearly. It's even like Timothy Oliphant, which is so handsome, it hurts. He can't even save that film. Do you know what I mean? No, he's awful in it as well. Yeah, he's terrible He's such an annoying villain, but not for the wrong reasons. And also, Kevin Smith's cameo is completely pointless. Like he adds nothing to the film other than the a warlock. Position to call him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree. But yeah, it just that shite. film infuriates me. Just watch that clip. It's just yeah. Oh, I, I don't know why Bruce Willis accepted that as a I do. as well. Money. He had a mortgage to pay. Yeah. He's done some dodgy ones. To be yeah, fair, he added divorce yeah, but to you pay think for you. At me. least he'd say um, this actually goes against the character slightly. Can we not just tone this down a little bit? You know, or find a, a way to make character. it realistic. Oh, he must have done. He made his money out of it. He doesn't give a fuck. But yeah, sorry, that one, uh, yeah, that movie just really wound me up. So rather than jumping the shark, he jumped the jet. Excellent. <laughs> um, Candy, you got? Uh, this one's going to bring back some sore memories, and it's already been mentioned, actually. It's oh. the Matrix sequels. There isn't any. Yeah. Yeah, it's best it's best not to talk about them, but I'm going to because I had to watch them for research again, so I'm going to make you all suffer oh, as well. Why have you done that to yourself? Wow. To bring drama to the show. I've seen them both once. I think I saw them both once and that was it. I've and seen the first one recently. about 50 times. Yeah, and I want to talk about why the first one is so great. It was just, it was a new concept. It spawned the saying, I feel like I'm in the Matrix. Mm. Amazing soundtrack, not too overdone, and it, it's. I think it sort of stayed within the realms of believability. Um, it completed Neo's story act. Uh, story oh, yeah, there was arc, an ending. <laughs> there was an ending. Yeah, and it was just like the classic hero's journey, being taken out of a world he knows, coming to learn more about himself, and coming to terms with it, and then using the tools he's learned to fight the baddies. Mm. And it was perfect. There was no need to carry it on, but it did. <laughs> because it carried on because they got upgrades it just became more style over substance didn't it it was just it had carbon copies of characters that had been used in the first matrix that worked but they killed them off so i can only assume they made the first matrix without really thinking to the future and it just tries so hard to be profound 
And like like you said earlier, the kind of the, the Christ-like symbolism, it's just like, <laughs> fuck me, this is like being hit over the head with a brick. Yep. It's endless monologues. They're even Every- in Zion, for God's sake. And they have that sort of weird ecstasy-driven orgy scene. Like they're in the middle of war and yet there's time for an orgy. When isn't there time for an orgy? There's always time for an orgy in my world. Um, it just, it, every, every question is answered with a question as well. And this is what I noticed watching it. It's so fucking frustrating. It's just like, just, just tell him something. Just one little snippet. Don't say that your question is answered by what choice you make. Mm. The architect's speech is just completely patronizing to the audience as well. <laughs> There's only one clever thing about Awful. the second Matrix, that it starts with Trinity's death. So you're expecting. That's a nice little narrative dangling of the carrot. But it doesn't, it doesn't come to some kind of decent ending. <laughs> no, and, it, and, and that part of the story doesn't come to anything either because no. it's, it, it ruins its own, ending, its own ending. You think, oh, well, this is going to be the story of how he prevents that from happening. Mm. No, she's... Spoiler alert, she still snuffs it. Mm. Um, <laughs> the architect's speech, it's 10 minutes of pure nonsense. And like I said before, it's just so patronizing to the audience because it's assuming that by using long or rare, rarely used words <laughs> that the audience is not going to understand what they're saying. And maybe there is, there's probably a part of the audience that doesn't understand. However, if you... It's like watching Russell Brand. It is like what... Yeah, but Russell Brand's extremely knows. handsome as well. <laughs> he is. He's just just talking complete, absolute bollocks. He could have said just any normal sentence. He says the uh, word it, simulacra three times. Stop he uses, it. He uses vis-a-vis. <laughs> vis-a-vis, <laughs> yeah. Ergo. Ergo. So we fucking know what that means. It's like written by a thick person with a thesaurus. Th- 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 with a thesaurus. Fuck my life. With a dinosaur next to them. <laughs> a thesaurus. <laughs> oh, for our American listeners, thesaurus. With a jethinkysaurus. <laughs> I need a minute. Um, <laughs> it is a complete sausage fest as well, and I only noticed that this last time I've watched it. The only female characters in there really only serve to further Neo's story, apart from Jada Pinkett Smith, who has such a small role. But she's in the game, out, doesn't she? Yeah, th- yeah it was all about the game then, wasn't it? Yeah, there's there's no notable female characters. It's just, and just tons of. And her partner is so dull, they called him Ghost. <laughs> That's right. I'm, well, I mean, there, there, is a, there is a significant female character, you know, Monica Bellucci's character, Persephone, who oh, is yeah. there to just look pretty. And, right. And, and, Has and maybe wh- one line. Yeah. And also wind up the Merovingian, who is the worst character in these films. He's one of the most l- foulest, worst written characters in cinema history. He's awful. It makes me sick. I, I had to look up the quote for this one because this is my favourite line of dialogue because I, I want to think that the Wachowskis wrote this down thinking, ooh, ooh, this, this typifies this character and it's from uh, uh, Reloaded um, and it's when they first meet the Merovingian. And he says, Chateau Aubryon, 1959, magnificent wine. I love French wine. Becca loves the French language. I have sampled every language. French is my favourite, fantastic language. Especially to curse with. Nom de Dieu, de putain de bordel de merde de saloperie de connard d'enculé de ta mère. It's, it's like wiping your ass with silk. I love it. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> what? Why end on that? Bell <laughs> end. Well, I, I assume it's to make him look like a bell end, but it's just the worst dialogue. And guess what oh, they do oh. on the next one? They go back to him. Yeah. yeah. 
that's not. That's, that's, yeah, that's, 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 not also, that's also not forget his orgasm kick. Oh god, oh, that's right. <laughs> yep. It, make, it makes a it makes a tuppy beat, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the fight scene with the multiple Agent Smiths as well. There's one point when when Neo picks up an Agent Smith and is like swinging him yeah. around as a wet. It's, it's laughable. I was absolutely losing my shit watching it. It's like, how did anyone take this seriously? I bet, I bet uh, Hugo yeah. Weaving was like, "Do you really want me to chew this much scenery?" And they're like, "Yeah." Which is huge. Hugh, Hugo Weaving chewed a lot of scenery in the first one to to good effect as yeah, well. Like yeah. he was a very yeah, good baddie in the first one. It was getting the parody of himself by yeah the um the, oh yeah the, the 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 big rumble with the hundreds or so Agent Smiths. Like I think what what annoyed me most about stuff like that is like in the first film there was obviously there was a lot of CGI, but the fight scenes was them fighting. Mm. Yeah. There was a lot more wires as well though. Yeah, no, but yeah, but like, like it was still even if the the background was CGI, or they were doing yeah, the bullet yeah, time yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It was still two people choreographed. It kind of when Neo sticks that lamppost into the ground and is running around oh, kicking them sideways. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing real there, is there? It's, <laughs> it's like, just, like it's, I got the idea of what they were trying to do, but you just couldn't pull. Like that Biggie off. yourself, you're a massive kung fu flick fan, and mm. even you don't like these films, and that's all they are. Yeah, it's, it's very frustrating. Totally agree. Yeah, it's, it's just lost that because that's what was so cool. Again, this was mentioned in the documentary about um, the action heroes. Was they actually went from having stuntmen to trying to train the actors to actually look like they're doing stuff on the screen? So yeah, yeah, you know, all the actors in the Matrix went through three months or whatever longer of learning martial arts and. Mm. To see them actually pull off, they're never going to be 100% smooth, but they still looked good doing it, you know? I think, wait, yeah. I, I think when, you put, this ne- one, when yeah. you put this next to, like, John Wick, the first one especially, it shows that Keanu Reeves can still, he can, he can do that kind of stuff, but it just doesn't need that. that it's too metaphorical for me, those sequels. I just oh. Yeah. It's too on the nose. There's no, there's no subtlety the to it. No subtlety whatsoever. He's Jesus it's, Christ. His his name's Neo, which is the anagram of one, and it's just mm, I don't like the, it. The, the 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 whole thing as well, like the first film is about him overcoming what he yeah. was to become what he is. Yeah, and it's like it's like as as um as the Wachowski sisters have come out recently and said like you know it's kind of a trans story. It's like yeah 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 like, mm. like starting off with who he is, discovering who he actually is, but and what then are the sequels? What are them? They're just well that's that's the problem. The the sequels can't stand up to that because the sequels become this schlocky over again overwritten bullshit like mm. that that opening conversation between neo and the um the indian guy on the subway platform yeah yeah where they're talking about what is love and all that kind of stuff he's like, like his daughter and his family yeah yeah it's like none of that is necessary no because it's just padded out shit and that's like 20 like, minutes <laughs> but that's yeah. it as well there is all this kind of like overwritten dialogue you could cut all that out the two films and have a much tighter two and a half hour long film, or or cut both those films out like I do and, and just have yeah, the first. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we haven't even gotten on to like Agent Smith become infecting a human in Revolutions. Oh, that that yeah. yeah. What's his name? Yeah. Um, oh, it's not Cipher, but he acts like Cipher, doesn't he? Yeah, he acts like yeah. Cipher, <laughs> and that's all what I mean. Carbon copies. Carbon copy. Yeah. All the fact, all the fact that the uh, the, the the last film barely takes place in the Matrix. And, oh, when yeah. it, and, and when it does, it's the fucking anime battle between Smith and Neo. 
<laughs> there's, there's maybe one or two scenes in the Matrix, and I think all of them, with the exception of the train station, which isn't actually in the Matrix, all of them are, are reused sets. They were all from the first set. There was nothing sort of out in the streets oh, yeah, or anything. Yeah, yeah, the, um, yeah. You get that. In, you get that enormous fight, which makes no sense. The films also don't give you a reason to care about Zion. Like you have this, this the battle for yeah. Zion it's with a bit all the shithole kind of as well, isn't it? But, but well, the, the entire top world is. But like the. They got the battle for Zion with, with all these kind of Walker robots and all that, and yeah. there's no jeopardy to it because they're fighting a cloud of machines. Yeah, like it's a great visual. Don't get me wrong; I think this, I think those special effects work really well there because I think it's a really visually impressive scene. But you don't give a shit about the fact that they nearly lose. There's no jeopardy to it because all you've got is just CGI everything and two actors. Yeah, mm. yeah, and it's yeah, I agree. Infuriating. And there's just no satisfaction at the end of it either because you sort of come to learn that it's the Matrix has been restarted five times already and Ugh. Neo's just playing a predetermined role. I forgot so about it's all that. Gonna start, yeah, it's all going to yeah. start again at some point. Which is where we get the Matrix 4 next year. Mm. I forgot about that. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> oh. Yeah, God knows where they're going to go with the fourth one, man. Because they're going to send everybody back space. That, You know exactly what they're going to go. They're going to use time. It's always time. It's the, it's, the, it's the decade of time travel, mate. Time yeah, travel's back in a big way. And they all returning for that. So yeah, back they're in time. Be decades so, older as well. They're not going to look the uh, same. Yeah, so looking at IMDb, top cast, uh, Keanu Reeves as Neo. Christina Ricci's in it. Jessica Henwick. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss is back as Trinity. Uh, Priyanka Chopra's in it. Lawrence Fishburne. I sent uh, you all a picture. Jada Pinkett Smith is back as Niobe. Yeah, I'm. I'm not looking forward. The, the 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 annoying thing is, I will see it to see what a oh the fucking Merovingians coming back no! into it. <laughs> oh god, I, I wish I hadn't scrolled down. Please I'm tell me the gonna, architects in there. Um, no, they, were the, the, they haven't put anyone for the cast in there. But oh god, if the Merovingians back into, it, I'm going to have to see it to see what bullshit they. How, how are they going to explain that he's old unless they de-age him digitally? <laughs> yeah, exactly. you have to de-age the whole fucking film. Uh, or delete yeah. it. Uh, it just infuriates me. But good choice, though, there, uh, Candy. Um, <laughs> Sorry to bring the mood down. <laughs> uh, gadget, please get, get me out of this. I'm, I mean, I'm going to take you to a bad place now because we're going to Dead Space 3. Oh, God. <laughs> so, obviously, I'm not going to talk in great depth about this one because I talked about it when me and Stig finished uh, our stream of it. But yeah, so De- I mean, Dead Space is a long-running horror franchise uh, by Visceral Games, published by EA. Who first two are know, incredible. Yeah, who subsequently murdered Visceral Games? <laughs> just t- t- took them out, sat them down, shot them in the head. Yeah, you know, pub- execution style. <laughs> um, they are um, survival horror games um, set in space, oddly enough. Um, but they have this really, really interesting sci-fi aesthetic. The monsters are these w- wonderfully designed, horrible body horror creatures where the general conceit of the game is you have to shoot their limbs because you, like they're, they're reanimated corpses with extraneous bladed limbs and Hence stuff like that. Hence the name Necromorph. Yeah, Necromorphs. And you've got, the whole point of the game is um, to fight them. You basically can't, like a headshot won't do anything. In fact, if you knock the head off, they'll still keep coming at you. You've basically got to render them immobile by taking their limbs off. And it makes it a bit more tense because you've then got to not only aim... But you've then got to manage your um, your ammo counts and stuff like that. Or uh, squish first, the head afterwards. Yeah, yeah. The first game, first Stamp. game is really quite. It's like really tense. Lots of quiet things. You're on a you're on a spaceship, um, and it's 
it is very tense and it's very scary. But one of the few games that I still genuinely find scary, like the sound design is brilliant, the lighting, everything. It's just, it's a wonderfully designed game. Second game is a bit more of an action bombast. You're on a um, larger space station. There's a few more set pieces to Isaac it. Isaac talks. Uh, yeah, you may characterize a clock, which is the fuck. I, I still think that's a really dumb name. Like, hey, we like sci-fi. Let's call him Isaac Clark. Yeah, from two <laughs> two massive offers. Yeah, it's like it's it's not very subtle, but the games yeah. aren't particularly subtle anyway. But yeah, it, it 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 ramps it up. It's a bit more action oriented. It's not as scary as the first game, but it kind of refines the formula. The third game got EA hard because EA want money. They want all the money. They want they want exponential growth. So they fucked around with this game. They, they've been pushing throughout the entire series of Dead Space for there to be some kind of multiplayer component. And they put that into Dead Space 2. There was like a deathmatch multiplayer thing, which no fucker played. Did it with and Mass Visceral Effect 3. In. Yeah, and Visceral, Visceral said to EA, nobody played the multiplayer we put in. We don't want to do it in 3. And they said, you're going to do it in 3. So they put in this really convoluted um, fucking co-op mechanic in there which made no sense because the, the whole point of a horror game is it's isolation is what's scary. If you're booling around with a soldier next to you, you you're not going to be scared throughout it. But, or Stig. If you're walking around <laughs> well, with Stig yeah. inside of you, <laughs> I wouldn't be scared. So, the, 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 the general storyline of the games is that there, there are these things that are found throughout the universe called markers. And they have the, they're an unknown quantity, but when they are near dead flesh, they will reanimate dead flesh. And there is a religion within humanity called... Um, They're like monoliths, uh, aren't they? Yeah. There's a, within the law, there is, there is this religion within humanity called Unitology, who see the markers as these kind of divine beacons, and they will lead to um, a unification. And the No, it's not unification. What is it called? Something shit. Either way, it, it's it's basically this this conflagration of humanity comes together to this perfect being, and they're fucking mental because the what the markers do is they kill effectively. They turn humans into necromorphs when they die, and that is the that is the general run of it. So as Isaac, you're charged with kind of destroying all these things. Believe me, you don't so want with, to turn into one of them. They're horrible. No, oh, they're nasty boys. Um, when you get to Dead Space Three, you go to the home world for the markers. Not dead. Not kill- in space. Not in space, you're on a planet. <laughs> and you, you, you go through, there are, you know, there are the usual kind of human structures and bases. You go through, you kill guys. There's human enemies this time, which are shit. Yeah. Um, there's some really bad puzzles, some awful dialogue, um, a, a twist that you see coming 14 miles away. Um, and then you get the real jump the shark moment because the planet of Tau Volantis is not where the necromorphs come from. But that's no moon. That's a space station. No, it is the center of the necromorphs. It's where the markers come from. What, what, it what? It is the biggest necromorph. So you know what you have to do? You, your little Isaac Clark and your little John Carver following you. John Carver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've, you've got to go into the center of this broken moon and kill it. You've mm. got to kill a moon. <laughs> Hang in the air for a second there. You need to kill a fucking celestial body. Um, and the thing is, I mean, that could have been an interesting thing to put into the game, but they didn't put it in an interesting way because you get you you get up there through some gravitational bullshit, and it's a standard kind of Capcom-style boss fight where you've got this giant tentacle monster hurling shit at you, and you just shoot the glowy bits enough times until it dies. And it's shit. shit. Yeah, shit. 
But it jumps the shot. But like, nothing in the game is believable within the world. None of the characters act in ways that they would have acted in the previous games. Like in Dead Space Two, there is and. Yeah, in Dead Space 2, there is this kind of running thing with Isaac's plotline where, like, he's traumatised from the events of the first game and he has all this PTSD stuff going on with him. And when he gets closer to the markers, the markers kind of really fuck with his head. None of that is in Dead Space 3. Unless you're playing as John. Unless you're playing as John Carver, who has <laughs> never encountered a marker before. Yeah. Doesn't know anything about And them, he hallucinates. But he, but he <laughs> has the PTSD effects that Isaac had in the, yeah. in the second game. And it's... The problem is, like, visceral games were really good at making games. Like, Dead Space 1 2 were fantastic. I, I even like Battlefield Hardline, which they did after this. Like, they, I loved, um, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Dante's Inferno. Oh, I, I did. Game. I love that. It might have been a God of War clone, but they did it well. Mm. Um, <laughs> with Dead Space 3, it got EA'd so hard that, like, they couldn't make a good game out of it. There was nothing that they could do to make that game good because EA wanted more action. They wanted it less scary. They wanted it, they wanted it to sell 5 million copies. It's a niche horror game. Set I, remember, in space. I remember when it came out and there was a. It's never going to sell 5 million copies. There was a comment that came out that um, EA asked them if they could drop the uh, rating down to more of a 12. Yeah, than, like uh, it's it's a f- <laughs> it's a body horror game. Yeah, we have to dismember corpses. Can we make the blood green? <laughs> it's like you're not trying to get it on the Wii. I know. You know we just give the bad guys Chinese burns instead yeah. of <laughs> chopping the limbs off. Yeah, it just wedgies. It, it, the and the thing is, it's not the fault of Visceral Games. Like Visceral Games made the ga- the best game that they could out of it. The problem is EA forced them into that into that route, and. It's clear that they kind of they had to redesign the game a couple of times because the game ends so quickly. And again, a little bit like with Indigo Prophecy, it's like they wrote too much and then had to scale it so far back to actually get the game out. Um, the story just doesn't make any sense. And the exposition cutscenes are so long. Oh god, some of them are. Some of them are really, really annoyingly long. Um, and yeah, it just complete. It could. It took what was supposed to be one of the strongest horror franchises. It could have been the, the last, new Resident well, Evil. Literally. It could have been, yeah, and it, it it took a lot of cues from re- the uh, Resident Evil four, five, uh, four yeah. and five, yeah. Like in it's kind of how it functioned, how it told its story, and that kind of thing. It was really immer- like the first two games, wonderfully immersive. Like it very rarely took you out of Isaac's and head. It was it, the first two. It was industrial sci-fi. We love a bit of that. Yeah. Ooh, oh, a little, little bit of dirty sci-fi. Yeah. yeah, but this was just oh, the, it just went on and on and on in stupider and stupider directions. So yeah, it just it was just wall to wall bullshit, and it like I say, it jumped it jumped the shark because it just the story went so stupid. There was a better way to finish the story, but then again, the story might not be finished because apparently we're getting Dead Space Four announced soon. So, mm. hey. isn't that going to be? Did they say it's going to be like a remake of the first one? Uh, like a remake or a remake? Different characters apparently. The show is out, I think, at the moment, isn't it? Mm. Now I've so never far actually. Out. They're out to I- lunch. I've never played a Dead Space game, but I do want to. If I were to play the first two games, would it come to a satisfactory conclusion? Yes. Yeah, so I can just yeah. play it and it's not like an open ending or anything. I can just no. play the first two and put it down. Yeah, so the, the, the endings for both games, the, both the first two games, are done in a way that I kind of think that Visceral didn't expect the next game to get greenlit. Yeah, both So they them, don't yeah. leave anything hanging on. Like there is a good end. There is a satisfying end to each one. Um, and they do well. And I would really recommend playing them. Like, like they they actually really hold up well, and they're on Game Pass. So the um, maybe that's one I could stream. Minor spoilers: the um, nursery uh, scene in number two is fucking brilliant. Yeah, when you go to the yeah. little kindergarten thing, oh, oh, it's so fucking good. 
Oh, so I love it. I love that game. Yeah. Both of them are so, so, so good. Yeah, three isn't though. No. no. <laughs> I haven't finished three and I don't feel like I've missed out. Excellent. Good, good pick. And from Aliens in Space to Aliens in Space, I want to talk about <laughs> Alien 3. <laughs> Ooh. Mm. Oh, actually, I, I, will, I will counter. I, could, you not have, could, you, could, you, could you not have gone for Resurrection over Alien no. 3? No, Alien 3 is the is the uh, film that turned one of sci-fi's biggest badasses into a cowering wreck and um, someone that, until the very end, is at the mercy of the the uh, colonists, let's say, uh, prisoners and stuff like that. Um, directed by David Fincher, I think it was his first film. It was indeed. I mean, don't get me wrong, I-, I love a Fincher film. Bloody love a Fincher film, me. And I don't think Alien 3 is... Bad. It is just jump. It just jumps the shark. So, if you don't know, it jumps the shark in the first three minutes of the film, where <laughs> yeah. the characters that uh, Ripley uh, decided to risk her own life in saving died off screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so Lots of great stuff. Hicks and it is Hicks, isn't it? Hicks and yeah. Newt Hicks. are killed. Yeah. In the pods by the facehugger that was revealed at the end of the second film, wasn't it? It's not like we didn't know. Yeah, it was. It was the setup for the next film, despite yeah, the fact that it came um, like nearly ten years later. And then Alien Three isn't an alien or aliens film. It's its own thing. It's more like a John Carpenter slasher mm. horror. Um, I get that each film in that trilogy was a different genre in a way. Um, they made the Xenomorph less terrifying for some reason. It was like a little dog xenomorph thing. Mm. Um, they went back to the uh, there's just one of them, which worked obviously with Alien, uh, one of the best films ever made. And mm. Aliens obviously expanded upon that and turned it into a, a war film kind of thing, uh, pretty much like a guerrilla warfare analogy type thing, uh, which yeah. is again sensational. Um, I'd argue till my dying day that Alien is better than Aliens but there's people I that agree. are on the other side I'm with you on that. Um, Alien 3 on the other hand is it feels like a very British film because nearly all the actors are British in it mm. <clears throat> um, but some very strong uh, acting in it some, somewhat Shakespearean in places <laughs> <laughs> um, the story centres around Ripley being I don't know if she crash lands or, or they pick her up I can't remember she crash she, lands just crash lands onto a um, a colony where all these, uh, a, a male colony where they were all prisoners at one point and then decided to stay at prison, I believe. <laughs> they didn't want to leave. Uh, a celibate colony, um, deeply religious and still run by a few wardens. Because I don't think it is an active prison anymore. No, I didn't, no it is. It's, is it's, it still? Um, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, it's, the... the- they, they, they get a lot of shit wrong with it within the law, but yeah, the, the prison colony is still active. Right, right. But, the, but I think that, some of them, some of them chose to stay chose there. to stay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I know there's a, there's a bit like this Charles Dance, his character too dangerous to go out. Yeah, he was. He's actually a prisoner, but you can't tell until he tells them after they uh, they have sex <laughs> after <laughs> after knowing each other for two weeks. Eight, not even two weeks. I think she's there for about a week or something like that. I can't even remember. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think it jumped the shack straight away. Like the main plot of two is the we've all got to get out of here if we can. So many people die in two that you care about because of the, the 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 second one it's got a 
it takes quite a while till they get onto the uh, the planet, doesn't it? To let you to get to know the characters and yeah, love them and stuff like that. And I don't know with this with this third one. I know, and I can t- I can sense already you like it, don't you, Gadget? You really like it. It's not that I, I like it. It's a film with a lot of problems, but mm. I. I like a lot of the atmosphere around it. Like, I, it's it's got a bit of creeping dread to it, which I quite like. Mm. Yeah, um, I do agree. I, I like the movie, but like you say, it's just the CGI Xenomorph doesn't look good, though, does it? No, no, it doesn't. And and it it smacks of studio interference. Yeah, which yeah. I mean, if you you should read the um, the graphic novel of uh, William Gibson's version of Alien Three. Yeah, yeah, which I know, is, yeah, um, yeah, I know. Which is incredible, and I wish we got that film. I, I just, there's just, there's just something about it that the, the Ripley character, like her growth, her arc from the first one where she's just a member of a salvage crew, um, I think the Junkers, and they're also cargo, they're basically space truckers, aren't they? And then yeah. in the second one, she's the advisor to the team, she's the only one that survived this, she's been on ice for a while. And then in the third one, she's, Obviously, she's got a bit of PTSD and stuff. And then what happens? How does she get over PTSD? She shaves her head. <laughs> and, and she, I thought that was say so they didn't get uh, aroused. Though. They have to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or aroused. It does have that one iconic shot, though, doesn't it? With her like leaning away from the alien, the, the jaws yeah. kind of coming at her. Yeah, and it won't, yeah. it, won't, it won't kill her, obviously, because, spoiler, she's got one inside her. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I just... It's just something about it. Was it was a troubled shoot, though, wasn't it? It went through so many script rewrite, re- yeah. rewrites. It had Joss Whedon attached at one point. Oh, had- well, he did something yes. else after that. <laughs> but, yeah, it went through a lot of problems, that shoot. And I think the fact that they've ended... Do you know, at one point, they were supposed to land on a wooden planet. Everything was made of wood. What? Yeah, read about it. It's an insane idea. Yeah, was it was like, was it like colonists that had basically gone... Feral, effectively, <laughs> the issued technology, which is why some of it is kind of pr- present in Alien Three with the prison colony. So there's some of that actually stayed. I remember, but, I yeah, remember reading about Finch, Fincher saying he was um, he was deeply uh, affected by uh, Peter Pan as a kid and the Lost Boys and what happens to the Lost Boys when Wendy leaves and then Wendy comes back. Do you know that it, it kind of used that parallel and stuff like that, but. I don't know. The climax is not very satisfying. Um, you know that halfway through the film, she's got an alien inside her, so she has to die. Yeah. Or does she? <laughs> and then this leads into Alien Resurrection, where the shark had already been jumped. <laughs> and oh, that is... A, oh. I don't know a single person I've met that's a fan of sci-fi and horror and stuff like that that likes Alien Resurrection. I only like one bit of it. Which bit? I was just going to say, there are bits in it <laughs> that are good, but the movie as a whole I th- is awful. I think the uh, swimming sequence is absolutely brilliant in yeah. terms of horror. It's scary. Like, it is so tense It's and Jaws, so scary. isn't it? Yeah, I think that works really well. The rest of the film's a fucking trash fire. It's awful. And the bits with the, um, the additional Ripley's the as well, the, room, ah, nah. the clones. I th- I, I just thought it was interesting. I thought it was just a bit of think, body think, horror in there. Yeah, I think Sigourney Weaver plays that. Sigourney Weaver saves that whole scene. Yeah. Like her performance there, that the emotional trauma that she has there is fucking excellent. But yeah. Oh. I, yeah. I, I just think, we, should, and then, we should have known we shouldn't have let Joss Whedon write shit. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, and, and he jumped the shark when he was born. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I just think it, it led this like franchise down a path it couldn't survive. 
after I think Alien 3 was the pivot point like let's just try different genres for each film do you know what I mean it's like it seems like the first one yeah, was the director can pull it off the first the one was one. the um, the mystery the it's kind of a bit, a bit of a whodunit to, to it a little bit as well and then turns into just a scary stalker film the second one as, as I said is the skirmish the action, the, the action film the war film the third one tries to go to cerebral fails <laughs> and it tries to obviously strip it all back to one xenomorph and stuff like that and and have a message and then resurrection just fuck knows and then they went <laughs> alien versus predators they did all those yeah. and then they did fucking prometheus what's covenant. prometheus and then fucking covenant and it's just i don't think that franchise can recover, and I think it was three that started that trajectory. That's when it jumped the shark. And people are got people are going to argue because I know people love Fincher. I love Fincher, but I I just I don't know. Yeah, but look at look at um, what Prometheus turned out with. That was Ridley Scott yeah. who did Alien. Yeah. If yeah. anyone was going to save that, he couldn't do it. It was him, but he can even he can do it. Yeah, I mean, bear in mind as well, like his experience working on three nearly caused Fincher to never make a film again. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, the the thing is, I think I think Alien Three should have ended the franchise quite comfortably. Like, I know it's not the best film. Well, the main character dies. But, well, yeah, no, but like, that's, they shouldn't have kept pushing Alien. Like, yeah. the whole thing with resurrection with her being resurrected. It's it, it's not even really resurrected. It's cloning, cloning. isn't it? She, yeah. She, but somehow she has her memories and, and acid blood. Like, <laughs> yeah, like that shit. It's just it's so mm. stupid. Basketball. But um, I think it like. Alien Three is the is the last Alien film to really kind of broach the um, the class warfare side of the yeah, Alien yeah, franchise. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's these people who the Wayland Yutani Corporation don't give a fuck about. Yeah, and they're and left it shows you die. that at the end, doesn't it? When they come when they come in and just mow people down and exactly, yeah. The problem is, it's not a well made film, not through not through David Finch's inability, but because of all the rewrites and the studio yeah. interference and stuff like that. And, you know, because of all that stuff, you get the bullshit, like you get main characters being killed off screen or, yeah, yeah. Um, which pisses, should piss everybody. And to save money, they did off. the, uh, looking through the alien's eyes a bit too much. A little yeah. bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> Although it did, it did work for the, um, for the bait and chase sequence. Oh yeah. Yeah. That that's when you really, needed it. it that's when you needed it. Yeah. yeah. That, that, um, that, they nailed that. Yeah. And, a hell of a way for Pete Postlethwaite to die. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and and I, I don't know, it's that particular xenomorph, which I think they called it the dog xenomorph in the end because it came out of a dog. Yeah, um, it came out of a dog. It's yeah. not the biggest, it's not the bulkiest, it's kind of a small creature, fastest. isn't it? It's the fastest. And yeah. that's that's the twist to it. It's like, this this fucker can get anywhere. That's really clever. That's yeah, really, like it makes it more insect-like and weird. Yeah, and, yeah there's, there is a lot of good in it. The, prob- mm. the, the problem is, like, it... Like you say, it's not a bad film. It, it is. It's a. I think it's the problem is it's a very bang average film where the first two films were excellent. But what I in my head would it would this film have been any worse or better if Hicks and Newt survived? They could have still been there. I just no, don't it, know why it, they killed them. They kill. They killed them off basically because the studio didn't want those characters in it. Because mm. like said, the original William Gibson script, which was written in eighty seven, yeah, had them in it. Right, um, right. Mm. And they were supposed to be a big thing. And um, Bill Paxton, he was well up for it. Of course she was. Game um, over, man. They, they, <laughs> by the time they made the film, they would have had to recast um, Michael Bay anyway, because because the, the, the little girl would have grown up by then. Yeah, because it was ten years later or so. But yeah, the um, uh, Bill Paxton was well up for it, and it's he Michael Bay, isn't it? Come, is it Michael Bay? No, it's Bill. 
Yeah. Is it? Michael Bain is Sorry, it? Michael Bain, yeah. Sorry, no. Um, yeah, I'll scratch that, yeah. Yeah, Michael <laughs> Bain was well up for it, and he had signed on to it initially. Mm. Um, it wasn't doing anything else, was it? <laughs> no. Um, and yeah, that film was, it could have been made, and it could have been brilliant. Yeah, I think um, so. Right, like, I guess the way to, way to equate it is like, this is the Alien franchise's Godfather 3. Yes, perfect. It's not a bad film, but it's nowhere near as good as it should have been. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I'm still amazed it turned out as well as it did. But that's yeah. I just think I just for Alien Three, uh, Three, sorry, is um, I I think that is people say it's uh, Resurrection, but I think Three is the jump in the shark moment in that franchise. Uh, by the time we get to Alien versus Predator and stuff, the shark's long gone extinct. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's too late. We can't come back for it. And Prometheus, fucking hell, and. Covenant even worse. Oh, oh. Yeah. Covenant's awful. How do you make a film worse than that? You're just. I'd rather watch Resurrection than Covenant. <laughs> ooh, 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 that's Seriously. a statement. Seriously. Like, Covenant, Co- Covenant's not good, but it's not Resurrection. I genuinely well, think... I no, I, I'm with you. I think Resurrection's well, I think. better than Covenant. Fight I me, I bro. I hate Covenant so much. So bad. i tell you what jumped the shark with, with Alien 3, though. Um, that's uh, that's the, uh, the, 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 the Academy. Because they nominated for an Academy Award for visual effects. It's the ugliest Ooh. one. Must have been a slow year. <laughs> it lost to Death Becomes Her. That it does look a lot better. <laughs> That's a better film. That's a better film. Yeah. Yes, Alien Three. So anyway, let's move on. Biggie. Well, Raiders of the Lost Ark. What a wonderful action adventure romp, which is a timeless classic. Incredible film. You've got Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom. Mm. The sort of difficult second movie, but I love it. Darker. It is. Very Calibar. Yep. <laughs> and then you have Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, part indie origin story, part buddy-buddy movie with the wonderful Sean Connery playing his father. So Indiana Jones 4, what could possibly go wrong? Well, <laughs> Indiana Jones, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, which I still technically refuse to acknowledge exists. Just got it wrong. I just can't understand how we ended up with that movie. It still upsets the me. First, the first opening scene, just... <sighs> <laughs> he survives a nuclear blast <laughs> in a fucking lead-lined fridge. I mean, it's a great setup. I'd like the idea of what happened, but it's just the fact that he gets launched into the air with this fridge, slammed into the ground, and he opens the door and just steps out. It was like a Warner Brothers cartoon. It was just... He steps out just, about fucking 500 metres away from the actual blast. He's got cancer yeah. regardless. <laughs> if you, if you play fall, hat. If you play Fallout New Vegas and oh, he's there. a certain, certain part of the Mojave, yeah. there is a fridge with a skeleton in it with an indie hat on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just... I'm sorry, I'm not going to talk about it much because it just upsets me so much. But what about the saving grace of, of Kate Blanchett's acting and Russian accent? Or the, or the saving grace of Shia LaBeouf's existence. Oh. Yeah, the, the fact that his character is called Matt Williams. Well done, kid. You've brought a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> it's just... And the double, 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 double agent reveal. I mean, what's happening with that? <laughs> Wex- is it I'm Wexley or something? No, I'm not. I'm an agent. I'm a secret agent. Not, I'm your mate. He's not again. Wexley. No, is it Wexley's D? I can't remember. One of them's called Wexley or something like that. 
Oh, just I can't the, remember. The I've seen this film once. The, the swinging through the jungle with the monkeys, like their best <laughs> mates. It's just about the fire ants. <laughs> the aliens. They're not aliens. aliens. Of course, of course. It's aliens. It's always aliens. They're not aliens, though. They're extra dimensional beings, remember? That's oh, an just, alien. They're not fr- no, they're it's not aliens. from space. They're from a different it's aliens. plane of existence. And this was the one that was supposedly, because he's revealed as Indiana Jones' son, that you thought that would be it, that the mantle's being passed over and we're going to have the, you know, the younger version of Indiana Jones. No, Harrison Ford is currently filming. He's got a shoulder injury already from, I think, opening the door. That might, that <laughs> might have something to do with Shia LaBeouf literally jumping his own shark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he might really well did. Do. Oh, I, forgot, I, got, I forgot Rear Winston was in this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the double, 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 double agent. Yeah. And the, the simple fact is he's like 74. Now, I'm not ageist because clearly I'm on this podcast. Mm. But the simple fact... He's 74 going in to play Indiana Jones. What is he going to be pulling off in this movie? I just don't understand it's it. It's going to be like Vietnam War or something, isn't it? He's, he he's 78. Stopped. Oh, 78. I mean, he should he have does smoke a lot of weed, so maybe that's keeping him <laughs> nice and fresh. That said, yeah. I would rather see him play a 35-year-old Indiana Jones than have somebody else play Indiana Jones. Like, I don't mind if it's a mantle that's being passed on, but I would have rather seen him play Han Solo in the Solo movie than somebody else. What, being de-aged? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd rather that. Or even not being de-aged. But that can't be an origin <laughs> so story, though, if he's older. <laughs> it's, it's so iconic for him, though. Yeah, well, yeah, I know, but I agree. I think, no, it, if you're ever going to have another Indiana Jones... You're going to have to do some serious casting to pull that off. I mean, I, I wouldn't know. I, I can't even think. Chris of Pratt's not busy. Pull that off. I was going to say, oh, no, Chris no Pratt. Don't, 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 don't put Chris Pratt into that. No, no. But yeah, I'm just sorry. I'm just so disappointed. I, I've got the collect. Do you know what? I was in um, Tesco's today. Eighty pounds for the 4K new release of the Indiana Jones quadrilogy. Eighty pounds. I hope, I hope they'd be remastered because I mean I know they were good-looking films at the time, but <sighs> that's eighty club card points. Though think about it. But I know but... <laughs> it's an investment. But yeah, just I'm sorry. One, two, and three. Two gets a lot of flack sometimes, but I really enjoyed it. Two was the one it. that hasn't aged the best. Yeah, I would imagine there's some very yes. Um, <laughs> What's the the minecart scenes probably don't look so great. It's not very politically correct as well. <laughs> it's not politically correct at all. Um, yeah, there's probably a few issues with that movie, but actually, as a the story of Indiana Jones, I really enjoyed. my favourite is uh, Last Crusade. I think it's uh, it's one of the best Sunday afternoon films you can watch, along with like Back to the Future and things like that. It's always Raiders for me. I love three. I re- I think it's a very close call, but. Um, Raiders for me but yeah what happened before I just don't understand why that movie exists it's awful Indy 4 is one of the few films that I've gone to see in the cinema and I've fallen asleep that's how <laughs> that's how much I cared for it and I, I can barely recall any of it apart from how awful Shia LaBeouf is just completely yeah. uncharismatic isn't he people yeah, like, totally. like I, I, I don't want to be like Mr Contrarian and stuff like that but People really love Shia LaBeouf. And I always say, from day I'm like, I don't like this kid. I don't like him. And everyone's like, yeah, he's from my child. Apparently he's in some kind of kids show or something like that. Not, he was in a Holes, wasn't he? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah. But people are like, I love him. And, and people love the first Transformers film. I mean, sorry, but you've got bad taste. 
terrible. <laughs> I've, ne- I've, I've never seen him in anything good, ever. So, fuck Shia LaBeouf. Fuck him. Yeah. Nothing. I can remember so much from one, two, and three. I can't really remember anything apart from the fridge in four. There's just very little stands out in that movie for me. What? It is. It's, it's a dreary, dull film, and that's yeah. that's the problem. It's like it it didn't didn't need to exist. Like the the first the original three um, indie films, they are perfect as they are. They just exist. They are these engaging romps, slightly problematic in places, but <laughs> they are these kind of. They're just pulp, like kind of the pulp from yeah, comics. Yeah, like forties yeah, and fifties yeah, yeah. style kind of yeah. um, adventure. Like films. Tintin. Yeah, and they work as they are. King of the Crystal Skull tried to do that thing, which um, I think a lot of films, when they're resurrected after a certain period of time, try to do. Try to overcomplicate it. Like, oh, the very fact much that, so. The, like the fact I know the the first three Indiana Jones films dealt with kind of supernaturally stuff, mm. but having transdimensional beings and aliens, aliens, yeah, and stuff like that, like not aliens, affecting whatever the fuck they are, they're not from this world, <laughs> and. Having them in it, it's just like, no, you're actually kind of stretching believability here. Yeah. It's just we went, can... we went from God's Ark, or the Ark of the Covenant, Moses' Ark, whatever it is. Yeah. Then we went to um, Indian like myth. Then we went to Jesus. <laughs> Where can we go next? Interdimensional kind of aliens. Yeah. and it's... What are they going to do on the next one? Flat Earth. I'm telling dead. you now, it's Flat Earth. We're <laughs> going to discover that the Earth is actually flat. By the way, I am not a flat earther. Indiana Jones and the flatter. <laughs> Indiana <laughs> Jones and the government drones instead of birds. Who's that old enough? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd watch that. Oh, God, yeah. Imagine. <laughs> Excellent. So, Candy, take us away. Take us out. So, my second one is Hannibal, the TV series. So I do need to issue an apology to Lawrence Fishburne because this is the second time I've come from this evening. You really don't like him. <laughs> I don't like him. I just don't like the things that he listens to. This and it's bad career choices. I don't like his choices. I like it. I like how they start off, but as I said, they jump the shark. So I, I would say at this point, I am a huge fan of Hannibal. I adored the first two series. I do. Um, mm. It's one of the it's one of the only shows I've ever actually had to turn off and wait. Till it was light to watch it. There's some scenes that just it made, it made me fall in love with Mads Mikkelsen. He's just he's so good. Absolutely, he's he's per- so perfectly cast as Hannibal, and I never thought anyone he's better could than Hopkins. Sort of, I think. Yeah, I was I was going to say I I didn't think anyone could rival him, but he he captures the spirit of um, Hannibal from the books just so perfectly. I totally agree. And he keeps that. a European totally accent. <laughs> yeah. So sophisticated, so mm. charming, and sort of more age appropriate as well. I mean, I think I'd find it difficult to be charmed by Anthony Hopkins as much or as scared uh, by as him. much as old Mads. <laughs> yeah. But when I when I heard there was going to be a TV series based on the character, and I saw who was playing him, I was just like, I'm not seeing this at all. Well, he was relatively unknown, wasn't he at the mm. time? I think it was probably, with the exception of Casino Royale, I think it was probably his first big yeah, role. Yeah, Chief. Yeah, the Chief. Yeah. Um, but it was such a perfect cat and mouse chase between Will Graham and Hannibal as well. Like Hannibal just toying with him to see how far he could push Will, um, push him to create another murderer. And then Will Graham was battling with his own brain condition, not not knowing what he could do. And in he- the books, Will Graham is way better than uh, Clarice Starlin, I think. Yeah. It's just a he's, better he's character. He's just a nutter as well. Mm. Um, but the, it was the third season and it, it sort of just took a turn for the worse. And... Uh, 
for want of a better phrase, it just kind of went up its own ass. It became <laughs> completely sort of self-indulgent. They went to Europe, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, so it was it was a departure from the original setting, which uh, that's not the reason it, it sort of it changed tone, but it, it didn't help. No. Um, the first two seasons, it was so intelligent. And it it lost it seemed to lo- it lose it lost everything that sort of made it intelligent. It was replaced with kind of cheap throwaway relationships between a couple of the characters. Some of them completely unnecessarily, and it it shipped a few things that were on Reddit, and they focused it too much on that. I think trying to please the fans. Well, the first the lost- first two seasons were like a mixture of Hannibal and Red Dragon, weren't they? Yeah. Which are the better two books, in my opinion. So it was the third season that went to Red Dragon. Oh yeah, yeah, that's um, it. That's it. Sorry. Oh, I thought that was the same as you. I thought it was. Like- no, no, no. It was because it, Red. I, I forget how the books canonically were. Is Red Dragon the first one in the book? Dra- it's Red Dragon, then Silence of yeah. the Lambs, and Hannibal. Yeah, and then Hannibal Rising, um, so they- which no one read. <laughs> oh, I loved Hannibal Rising. What? I thought that was a good one. <laughs> you're, you're one yeah, of I've the really tens of people that like that. <laughs> It's always me, isn't it? I just love awful things, apparently. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, the third season, it, it sort of it began with the end of Hannibal. So um, yeah, that's Mason it. Verger was still in it. Yeah, Verger's still in it. Yeah, um, and he kind of came to a bit of a disappointing end because they could have they could have made his character a lot more. And I thought I think they were doing interesting things with where it was going. Verger is a big baddie in the books. Yeah, and that just sort of fizzled out to make way for Red Dragon. They they just sort of mishandled it and did did it a real disservice. I I thought mm. they gave very little backstory, which is fine if you have read the books. But <laughs> I think we can probably assume that most people watching the show probably hadn't. Yeah. Um, and there was no real ending for the Red Dragon plot either. So he was the weakest antagonist of the of the whole series. Yeah. Um, and and sh- the episodes were just stretched out too long, and there was very little actual content. Um. Did they know it was cancelled at this point? Is I that? Don't think they no, did they, because they, they ended it on a bit of a cliffhanger. Yeah, I, I think it got it got cancelled like in pre-production of season four. And a lot of people really praised the ending, but I, I didn't. I think didn't like it. Was it. Great, and it just yeah, it became like you've used this analogy before, but it it did become a, a perfume commercial. I think at places and just these long drawn out artistic the shots on architecture that, for ages, isn't there? Yeah, so there was just very little content, so I was really disappointed with that, and it just it it just went absolutely up its own bum, I'm afraid. <laughs> Shut the bed. Shut the bed. No, I agree with you massively. Um, I think the first season is almost essential telly. The second season starts getting a bit trippy, uh, but yeah, the third season, wow. But the- I saw the second season whilst. I had a actual flu. Ooh, so, so you, were going, you were tripping as well. I was absolutely hallucinating and trying to watch that as well, which... You need to be sober fact, watching I that. I really enjoyed. Yeah, I actually found it really weird sensation watching that. But, um, yeah, I still enjoyed Some it. Some of the shots on week. the first season where Hannibal's preparing food mm. is incredible. Yeah. And you're like, mm, it's like a cooker I want to eat it? that. Even though you might not be aware that it, some of it might be human. You can't tell. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> And the that, delight in his face when yeah. he serves the food up. It just it's brilliant just watching his face. And that's what Silence of the Lambs missed, I think. Just the actual that you know, the preparation yeah. and the joy it brought him to just really cook up a human well. Mm. <laughs> oh, as it's called, long pig. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is this long pig? Mm. Yummy. So yeah, brilliant. Um that's it 
for our main topic. Um, we're going to do the uh, mailbag now. Um, gadget. Oh, How yes. bulging is it? It's pretty bulging. Oh, dear. Uh, starting off with uh, Alex79UK. He's come in with, I think Lost jumped the shark when midway through the fourth season, the entire island started travelling through time. What? Lost people dropped off. <laughs> Suckers. Lost was the greatest show that ever has or ever will be. Loved it from start to batshit crazy finish. Really? I have a real love-hate relationship with Lost. I stopped after season mm, I think two, most of me. the world did. I never watched it. I thought it looked dreary. I don't, I, I don't, I've just never been to Matthew Fox. I've never been into him. It just started off so well, though. It, it just delivered that first... I don't know if it was the first season or just the first few episodes. Which just You so much wanted to know what was going to happen. Yeah, the there. polar bear, the smoke monster, all that. It was yeah. brilliant. It was so good. Really interesting. I think it's one of the shows that really kicked off kind of bingeable viewing, didn't it? Sort of. Yeah. Um, and it was the first one. I think the, the, the finale was shown in the US at the same time as it was shown in uh, England. So I remember staying up and watching it to like four, four o'clock in the morning just to see what happened. Mm. Um, in the hope that there would be some answers and, and there weren't. Didn't they, I, I, I stopped watching after season two because um, I went travelling and stuff. But did they um, did did they like leave the island or something and go back to the island? <laughs> Us. Yeah, this is a spoiler for you, but it, we I assume we're revealing this. Yes. Oh yeah, fuck it. It was purgatory all for the oh, whole. Oh god. Yeah. And they ended up just seeing backstories what their life could have been if they lived and oh it was just it was a mess. There were times when I just switched off completely watching it <laughs> thinking. What on earth am I watching? I don't even know what I'm watching anymore. <laughs> it's so hard to follow at times. It was, yeah. Sounds Creepy Pod has come in um, saying, just finished watching America the Motion Picture. And I think they've officially made jumping the shark into an Olympic sport. I don't even know what that <laughs> don't is. Don't get me wrong. It was entertaining as hell and had fantastic voice acting and awesome animation. But everything else is freaking bonkers. So I had to look this up because I didn't know what the fuck No, I was. still don't. <laughs> I've seen the clip of this, I think. I'm on the Wikipedia page right now, okay? Mm. This is the plot. In an alternate (coughs) world and timeline, President George Washington must go to war to free the country from the British Army to retrieve the Declaration of Independence, save his wife Martha, and avenge the death of his best friend Abe Lincoln. But to do so, he must recruit rebel rouser Samuel Adams, Chinese-American female scientist Thomas Edison, the fastest racist in the colonies, Paul Revere, (laughs) native chief Geronimo, and blacksmith John Henry to rally more allies for the American Revolution to defeat King James and the traitor Benedict Arnold. (laughs) And that's a series? (laughs) No, it's a film. It's an animated film. Oh, it's animated. That's a lot of information to process. It is. so, So the cast, okay. Channing Tatum as George Washington. What? Jason Manzukas as Sam Adams. Perfect. Olivia Munn as female Chinese version of Thomas Edison. What? <laughs> Bobby Moynihan as Paul Revere. Judy Greer as Martha Washington. Will Forte as Abe Lincoln. Um, Raul Trujillo as um, Geronimo. Killer Mike as John Henry. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Simon Pegg as King James. Yeah, well, yeah. And, okay, brace yourself for this one. Andy Samberg as Benedict Cosby Arnold, a werewolf version of Benedict Arnold. Wow. I, I could have predicted that. That's, yeah. <laughs> this, um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's weird. Yeah. It sounds like a character. I didn't. I, I never like, thought uh, they'd. The um, Brooklyn Nine 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 guy yeah. would have come up with a I, plot. For I this. never thought they'd actually get worse than Abraham Lincoln Vampire Killer. 
But it sounds like they have. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's obviously time traveling. So there is, there is a voice actor here for, for a god for the Titanic. No, man. No, man. This various... is a fucking fever dream. <laughs> What's this on? What's this show on? This film on? Netflix. Netflix. Oh, my God. Yeah. I need to watch it tonight. I'm going to watch it right now. Out, I was it came out like three or four days ago. Shit. Wow. <laughs> I like Channing like, Tatum as it, well. Has, has it been? What's the reviews for it? Uh, terrible. Uh, it's got 30, 36% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. Perfect. <laughs> The website's critics' consensus reads, America the motion picture is definitely outrageous and possibly patriotic. The problem is it's also not very funny. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, Synopsis is quite funny. Yeah. Um, I don't have any more words for it. I'm going to have to watch no. it. I like the art style for it. The art style looks really good. What kind of animation um, is it? Um, Like cartoon animation. Like it's, not, it's not CGI. Oh, right, right. Oh, like Archer so, or something. Uh, it's from the people who made Archer. Oh, there you go. Boom, boom. So, it, so in fact, the, the, the poster for it says, from the founding fathers of Archer, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, The Expendables, and Magic Mike. Oh, I love Magic Mike as well. It's one of my favourite films. Yeah, because uh, Channing Tatum is one of the producers. Uh, yeah, that's... Um, thanks for that, guys. That's so much information I can't pass. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm going to go back to sensibility with Smashius Clear because he's come in saying Dallas is a great example of jumping the shark one of the most popular TV shows of its day decided to have an entire season become a dream sequence so they could undo the fatal shooting of a major character the actor had actually voluntarily left the show for other projects but the fan response was so bad they wrote, wrote him back in with the it was all a dream device <laughs> and ignored the previous year of television Fans felt cheated and the show took a dive in ratings, taking all the stakes out. Your show turns out to be a bad idea. They did it on Neighbours as well, didn't they? With the dog. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Go on to say, he goes on to say Battlestar Galactica was a great show oh, that apparently choices. never planned what it was going to do to answer its great mystery plots. The writers never knew where they were going and, and, that, lead, and that led to the frankly weird end to the third season. The song All Along the Watchtower still fills me with irrational anger. The revelation of the final Cylons felt weird, it made no sense, and just left far more questions than answers. Starbuck has returned from the dead with no explanation, and it all leads to a nearly incomprehensible fourth season. Yeah, that I, I love Jimi Hendrix, it's my favourite track of his as well. But even I was just sitting here watching this show I loved, going, what are they doing? Why is this in here? Um, it's a banging song. He, he, he then continues, Dexter was an excellent television series, and the... Um, Trinity Killer season is a real high point, but the show very quickly went downhill after that. I think everyone agrees that like the Trinity Killer was the last. I've good still season never watched it, mm. even though you've told me to. Yeah, it's great. It's the moment, great. the moment where Deb finds out her brother is the killer and then decides she has feelings for him is premium jump the shark territory, and I can't even bring myself to talk about the finale. And honorable mentions go to True Blood revealing Suki was a goddamn fairy and Sherlock yeah. having an evil <laughs> yeah. sister he conveniently forgot all. Yeah, about. I remember that. I fucking yeah. love Sherlock show, and that bit was Jesus Christ. Fucking hate Sherlock. Really? Um, last up is that last up? I believe no, it isn't. Second to last up, um, Bobby Wayne, your old pudding buddy, is has come lad. in. And he's done it. He's done a deadbeat punk. He's given us an essay. Mm. He says a franchise that jumped the entire megalodon for me is the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise. Yeah, after second the one. Earliest, <laughs> yeah, the earliest video game memory I have is Sonic Two on the Mega Drive. My dear old grandma used to 
only console, the only console in the family, and I loved the game. I would spend hours playing as Tails, dying repeatedly, while my much more coordinated Gran would would hunt Robotnik down on every stage of Sonic. I played the third game to death when my parents finally got me a console too, and it was an utter amazement when the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge came out, arguably the first instance of an expansion pack I was aware of. I had a decent collection of comic books, religiously watched the cartoon, and absorbed as much of the lore as possible, since the games offered no real story to them. <laughs> then came along the rise of 3D gaming, and with it, Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2. Oh god. These games were solid entries into a new world for the Sonic for Sonic where the new dimension of movement might have been too difficult for the blue blur to transition into. However, an easy to follow and fairly decent story along with voice acting and side quests kept the games fun and engaging, and the ability to play as different characters on Sonic Adventure 2 kept things fresh. I loved the direction Sonic was going in and the attitude, the music aesthetic, the new and interesting characters. It was a great time to be a Sonic fan. I know where this is going. Then came Sonic Heroes. A travesty. Very much on-rails level design where you ran through as a team of three heroes and alternated between which character led up front for varying abilities. It became more a case of pressing the jump buttons at the right time, the levels always felt like they were moving regardless of which way you pushed the stick, and the story was all too forgettable. The minute I saw the following game advertised Shadow the Hedgehog, I gave up (laughs) on the franchise. Sega has then struggled with Sonic, and his greatest success came from cameo appearances and team-ups in Mario Mario and Sonic, Super Smash Bros., etc. On the passing of dear old Gran, I've revisited the OG Sega Sonic games for the nostalgia, but until I see them get it right, Sonic remains in the past. And also, it's Dr. Robotnik and nothing else. Yeah, the, I would actually, he's Eggman now, well, no, isn't no, he? Something. Yeah, well, no, he was Eggman in the original games. He was Dr. Robotnik for the mm. cartoon. I don't know. I, I don't know how it works. It was So, so his, in the Mega Drive games, he was, he was Egg, he's Eggman. He's Dr. Eggman. Is he? In the, yeah. Mm. Um, the, they called him Robotnik in the cartoon because... People, uh, I think the producers thought Eggman would be like a thing that kids would bully other kids with, like it's a ba- like a name to call other kids. Well, I don't know the Sonic locks. I think Sonic's crap. The thing is, he hasn't mentioned Sonic some of the fan. worst offenders. Like he didn't mention Sonic Unleashed. Which what is about dreadful. when Sonic when Sonic kissed a human? Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, that happened. That Interspecies yeah, that relationships frowned upon. Or, or Sonic Boom. Remember that one? Massive, yeah, yeah um, just just I, I, after Sonic Two, I mean, people like Sonic Three. It's pretty much more the same, but Sonic Two was the highlight for me. It's good as it's ever gonna get. I know they say play that new one. What, what, they did the, like a um, what's it called? Mania, Sonic Mania. Yeah, well, Sonic Mania is really good, and I'd, I'd recommend you play that, Bobby. It's the best Sonic game has been for about fifteen years. But it's not by Sega, is it? It's by no, that's why it's good. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, <laughs> so, but it's it, it's basically it's by it's by, it's by Sega, fans. obviously. Yeah, it's published by Sega. And what what they did was they took they took some classic levels, so there's like Green Hill Zone One and stuff like that, and they kind of copied them and upresed them and made them work in the modern engine. And then the second level of each, second and third level of each world is kind of reimagined. So it's yeah, taking yeah, the template yeah. from the first level that you know, and then like putting a new level into it. And like one of the bosses in it is um, Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. Ah. Oh. Which is a good game, it, yeah. Which is a good game, but that's basically the boss, and it's like it is really, really good. It's and it's it's been on. It was free on Epic Store recently. Um, no, it's absolutely fantastic game. Hard as nails. Like I forgot how hard the Sonic games are. Mm, um, can be, yeah, yeah. But last up, we have John Cheatham. We always like a John Cheatham email. Oh yeah. <laughs> Says hello, folks. My first thought for this was Resident Evil, although that is my first thought for a lot of things. To be fair, <laughs> this is an interesting one, partly because the game and the. Because the first game of the franchise does actually feature a very unjumpable shark. 
and partly because it's hard to agree when it did definitively jump the shark. <laughs> was it when Wesker developed superpowers and had an anime-style punch-up with Chris and Code Veronica? Uh. When Chris then punched the famous boulder. <laughs> I haven't got a Resi 6 as famous zombie T-Rex Derek on my playthrough, but I did f- but I did fight what looked like an undead Shrek the size of an apartment building. The zombie T-Rex so is a fleshy zombie T-Rex. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> so there's multiple contenders in that entry alone. Even a beloved title like 4 has you being chased by a giant Mecha Salazar and escaping on a jet ski at the end. I mean, when you write it like that, it does sound shark jumpy. And Resident Evil 4 has three boulder chasers on it. (laughs) It does. Uh, To be honest, the series lends itself to shark jumping, city nuking, werewolf battling absurdity, absurdity, and most of the time makes it work. Have you ever played... Have you played End of Zoe? It's ludicrously brilliant. Yeah. What about the advert for Claire's... Yeah, what a pet advert for Claire's anti-bioterrorism organisation at the start of Revelations 2. Hilarious, it is. Even more, even more so for being totally uncalled for and unexpected. The series is off its rocker at the best of times. Maybe that's why whenever it did jump the shark, maybe, that, maybe that's why whenever it did jump the shark, it's back now strong as ever, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's, yeah. it jumped the shark cold, Veronica. It really did. I think it jumped the shark from the beginning, to be fair. Well, yeah, I suppose Just so. with the dialogue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. I d- I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we call Veronica, though. You're, thinking, you're, you're thinking back to Barry Burton boots yeah. now, aren't you? And don't open that door. I love that one. Is that Chris's blood? Yeah. It's a monster. And, it's, <laughs> and that first zombie takes five Colt Python shots. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Great series. Love Resident <laughs> Evil. But yeah, I think Cole Veronica's the one for me where it's like, is that the inf- silly, the it? infamous Wesker versus Alexia Ashford fight where he sprints across the, the the wall like Matrix and she fires blood that she then sets on fire after him and he's got lizard eyes. <laughs> it's just fucking crazy. Love Cole yeah. Veronica, but it, that's when it jumped the shark. Not not what not what people think. Not five, not six. It was Cole Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> well before those times uh, but yeah that's, a, that's everything we've had this week thank you very much everybody and I'm so going to watch America the motion picture so am I <laughs> excellent thank you now let's move on to the socials Stig have you got the socials Stig Stig hello I mean hello yes Stig here that's not Stig's uh, accent Stig's accent it's like <laughs> hello there it is I Stig from Yorkshire here is my Yorkshire accent I'm actually Stig's butler, so I'm here to tell you the socials. (laughs) So you can find us on Twitter at Modern Escapism. On there, you'll find a link to all of our episodes, social and Discord. If you have any comments, you can either tweet us or email us at modernescapismpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to watch gaming streams, come and watch us at twitch.tv slash modernescapism. On Saturday, Oodles, you're starting Fable, aren't you? Yeah, because I've never really played that. I've played bits of them, but I was never an Xbox guy. Um, more my pace fantasy kind of RPG kind of thing and you guys told me Stephen Fry's in it so I'm in yeah I'm in Mondays we have Biggie dies you can watch Biggie continue he's his pace with Dark Souls he's still oh, going man those arches <laughs> I, sh- I sent you that video <laughs> you know what to man, do that nearly broke me no speed runs uh, Wednesday, Gadget does a variety stream. What are you doing this week, Gadget? Uh, I'm going to carry on with the second. Well, I, by the time this comes out, remember time flat circle passed, and <laughs> I will have done the um, the second um, the second episode of Dusk, which I, I really enjoyed doing. The I really enjoyed the first one. The soundtrack is banging oodles. You'll love it. It's metal as fuck. I watched it in the bath. 
Well, I, why are you always naked when you watch me? It's really upsetting. <laughs> that is really weird. It's a compliment. No, it's because it just coincides with my weekly bath. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, the weekly scraping. I have a shower every day, but the bath is a is it's a Wednesday night thing. It's a treat. Well, that's a treat, isn't a it? Yeah, bathly treat. Uh, Thursdays we have Candy's Creature Feature. That's my horror stream, and we're currently playing Hellblade Senior's Sacrifice. Pure banger. Pure banger. Absolute banger. So we've just done the first two sections and we're about to head through the mountain, so shit's about to get real. Um, you can find us on patreon.com slash modernescapism. Gadget spoke about it earlier. We've got three tiers, £5 for modern escapees, £5 for scorched sheep, or £7.50 for the biggie bundle, which gets you both. And I absolutely cannot recommend this enough. You get so much content. You get low-key spoiler specials every Friday. You get monthly specials. And I know some of the specials that we've got planned and you won't want to miss it. Um, next week, we got horribly miscast and how you'd recast it. Yes. So bit, bit pretty much of a concept episode. We do like those where we get to choose our own cast. We've, we, we, we've got no budget. We're just going to go crazy. <laughs> Uh, and if you can, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you can find to give us a five-star review. We do read all of them. We only read the five-star reviews. So even if you want to moan at us, give us a five-star. Excellent. Thank you very much. And thank you all again for joining me, except for Stig. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and thank you all for listening. And for the patrons, we'll meet you around the back for a quick smoke. For everyone else, don't forget... Your armbands. I ain't got. I ain't got an ending. What can, what can I say? <laughs> armbands. What? What? Yeah, you know, your armbands. You got, <laughs> jump in the shark. Uh, no. <laughs> Cue the music. Bye. <laughs> I don't want to shitting on my bed. <laughs>